Hey, guys, this is Kenan Thompson. I have a problem with you. Yes, you. None of y'all told me that Auto Trader has millions of new and used cars that I can shop from home. I thought we were friends. I put smiles on your face, but I'm not smiling. No one told me that with Auto Trader, a dealer can deliver cars to my home or that I could shop by price on Auto Trader. No one. Consider this friendship that you just learned we had officially over. Finally, it's easy. Auto Trader. Because we have to, which means right about here, you're going to see Bill WD40 pop into the chat room and lube us up for tonight's show because you always want to go in smooth. Hello, gorgeous Kira. Leafs in 67. 67. All right, free your mind. How are you? Pat Tui, good to see you here. And uh, who else do we have? I don't want to miss anybody, but we are running out of time. And uh, let's see. There's a bunch of you people that I've already said. Tim Mothman, how are you? Nancy Hayes, good to see you. Lightwalkers, welcome to SOR Chat. And who else? Digger Dog, moving on down. Got you all. And Penman, Susie Alloway, welcome to SOR Chat. W. David Page, nice to see you. Sir Pent, Nice to have you back. Sparkles over on Facebook. Hello. There's Bill WD-40 right there and uh, lubing us up as we speak. And uh, we are caught up in the chat room so far. If you're new here, we do take commercial breaks every half an hour because we are a live radio show as well. So you will still be able to hear us during the radio breaks. Super Chat is open. Store is open on our website, spacedoutradio.com. I need a favor from all of you. Horns up. Let's rock. Mountains of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read the news wire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a power show for you tonight. We're going to be learning about UFOs from a political point of view from a great podcast that is called The Good Trouble Show. We have Matt Ford, their host tonight. Yeah, UFOs are pretty new to him, and we're going to get deep into this. It's going to be great. Then in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller is here for another spooky story. And then, of course, Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio is here for the Cryptid Report as well. All right, let's hit it home right now. We got to get going. We got a busy show ahead of us. Matt Ford is an Emmy award-winning Los Angeles-based political activist, influencer, and the host of the Good Trouble Show. 
He is the founder of the political action committee, Stand for Better, and has produced dozens of hard-hitting political ads for social media with over 20 million video views on Twitter alone. He has published op-eds on the UAP phenomena in addition to the United States and Russian nuclear policy. But the cool part for us here at Spaced Out Radio is Matt is now going down the UFO rabbit hole. It started just over a year ago, and believe it or not, he actually blames me at SORHQ for learning about this subject, and more importantly, the importance of getting this into discussion. Let's bring him in right now. Matt Ford, thank you so much for joining us on Spaced Out Radio for the first time, my friend. Good to have you here. Dave, thank you so much. I'm super glad to uh, be here. So I have to start off with the uh, very first question. So as soon as you booked me, I've heard all of this talk about your legendary beard, which I have to say lives up uh, you know, to all the hype. So this is about a week's worth. Uh, I don't grow very fast, but on like a scale of like one to ten, I'm, what, where am I? Like about a three, do you think, uh, well, on you know the what? Dave Scott scale? I'm going to give you about a nine and a half out of ten for effort. Wow. Because it's only a I'll week. I'll come back on your show anytime. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, your hair looks immaculate, not over product like mine is in order to keep it. You know, I mean, but you're, you're looking dapper, my friend. You, you, Why? Thank I, you. I know our radio audience can't see you, but that's a nice shirt, jacket, and tie combination you got going on there. It's it's phenomenal. I really appreciate that, Dave. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm very glad to be here. And you know, and like you said in the intro, you were the very first podcast. Period. Not even on the whole UAP issue. You were the very podcast. Period that I ever listened to. I was a little thank bit late you. to the game, but but uh, uh, yeah. So it, it is kind of your fault. Uh, I'll take blame. I will take blame. But I want to get into this right now and get our audience to know you, your audience, because I know you got a bunch of your listeners tuned in listening to us probably for the first time. You started this UFO rabbit hole. You dipped your toe into the pool just over a year ago. Why did you decide to get into this subject and feel it was worth the news and the content? Well, uh, so the the UAP subject, or or really kind of any any of uh, you know cryptid, all that kind of stuff, that that really was a interest of mine ever since I was nine years old. So this this would have put me in the uh, in the late seventies when I first saw uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and it was funny. I was watching your your intro there with uh, with the Bigfoot footage, and I I vividly remember uh, talking to my cousin about that. We saw it. I, I think it was on that. Um, uh, that documentary or that, that documentary series with uh, Leonard Nimoy. I'm blanking on the name of it. In search of it, it, in search of exactly. My cousin and I were huge, huge fans of that. So, uh, so I, it was an interest of mine from very, very early on, and and kind of fell out of interest for for uh, most of my life. And uh, kind of when I got back into it in the early 90s, I began studying U.S. and, and Russian nuclear policy kind of as a, a weird sort of uh, a side interest. And I uh, came across Robert Hastings' book, uh, UFO and Nukes. And, uh, of course, having an interest in uh, nuclear policy and then, and then kind of a lesser interest in the UFO topic, uh, I picked that book up. And, uh, and I don't remember exactly when it came out. Uh, I believe it was in the 2000s. I'm not real sure. Uh, it's a little bit fuzzy, but anyway, I was very, very interested in that. So, uh, read that book again, kind of put it on the shelf, 
uh, sort of forgot about the UAP topic for uh, you know for uh, a good bit. And uh, in uh, what, what would that have been uh, twenty uh, in twenty twenty uh, is when we began our political action committee uh, and began producing political films for the left side of the aisle, advocating for for that particular party. And um, and I think that was around. So th- when did the first UA- uh, the ODNI report uh, come out? Uh, first UAP was twenty twenty, correct? Twenty twenty one. Okay, 2021. Okay, yeah. So, so okay. So, fast forward to 2021. I hear about this report coming out. I'm like, I'm want to see what you know what this is about. Started looking back into the UAP topic, and uh, and it was uh, actually no rewinding sword uh, towards the the beginning of that year uh, is when I started becoming interested in this thing again and decided, you know what, I want to write an article about, uh, about UAP and nukes. And, uh, and, and I'd been looking into this for a, a short period of time and, and uh, was beginning to follow what Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and Marco Rubio were doing. And one of the things that I became aware of was that the Air Force was not being cooperative with these efforts. And uh, so I wrote this, uh, wrote this article uh, for the debrief, and essentially my hypothesis for the article was the, the reason for the Air Force's uh, sort of absence in the conversation was this history of UAP disabling our land-based uh, strategic nuclear deterrent. Um, that was really kind of when it all, when it all started, it was, of course, after listening to your podcast and, and really becoming interested in it. So I published that article. Uh, and I decided, you know what, I, this is, I, I think a very important subject. Uh, I, of course, yeah, I was interested in this as a kid, but really hadn't been following it. And, and the more I began to read about it, listen to your podcast and a few others, I realized that th- this was a very serious topic. Uh, and I certainly believed it to be real. I had never had any sort of UAP experience, paranormal experience, cryptid experience, anything of that nature. Uh, so I wrote this article, was published in the, in the debrief, and <clears throat> I decided, you know what, I want to find out what the left side of the political spectrum, what that kind of interest, what, the, what, what interest there is in this particular topic. So uh, at the time, I think we had around uh, 50,000 Twitter followers uh, somewhere in that neighborhood, and I posted a, uh, a Twitter poll, and I said, okay, who, who here would be interested in learning more about the UAP topic? And uh, it was, if I remember right, it was kind of 60-40 with, with only 40% being interested in the topic. And I was really surprised about that. And, um, and I did some further research and realized that it is not a topic that trends well with Democrats at all. Uh, that it's primarily uh, a subject of interest to Republicans. And I decided, you know what? I want to do something about that. Let me, and that's that a, was... I apologize for Go cutting ahead, you off there, but I wanted to stop you there because I think... Hey, guys, this is Kenan Thompson. I have a problem with you. Yes, you. None of y'all told me that Auto Trader has millions of new and used cars that I can shop from home. I thought we were friends. I put smiles on your face, but I'm not smiling. No one told me that with Auto Trader, a dealer can deliver cars to my home or that I could shop by price on Auto Trader. No one. Consider this friendship that you just learned we had officially over. Finally, it's easy. Auto Trader. This episode is brought to you by the Oscars. 
Hollywood's biggest night is almost here. Tune in Sunday, March 12th to celebrate the best movies of the year at the 95th Oscars hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. Who will take home the gold? Watch Sunday, March 12th on ABC. To find out how to watch wherever you are, go to Oscars.org. I think that's a real important topic. You know, UFOs, the one thing that I've learned, you'll never, you rarely hear me use the term UAP. But uh, UFOs is, is to me, such a bipartisan topic. It's a worldly topic. It doesn't matter Indeed. if you're communist like China or if you're fascist, if, if you're Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, whatever it may be. Why do you think that the Democratic uh, side of this uh, doesn't really care to bring this subject up? You know that's it's a I, I've, it's a, it's a question I pondered uh, you know for quite a bit. I I think that intrinsically Democrats uh, or progressive liberals have a inherent uh, trust in government. Uh, maybe a little bit uh, not they don't have the same skepticism I think as conservatives uh, have about a government at least at least here in the U.S. I, so I, I think that that there is some of that. Um, I also think, too, that there is um, kind of – I think that the UAP topic to many liberals is – kind of feels more conspiracy-like, you know, in terms of like the QAnon or, or being anti-science. Um, and so I think liberals in, in, in many ways tend to be kind of very um, hard-headed or very narrow in their view about this topic without – Without realizing, of course, that as you you know, as you said, Dave, it's a this is a it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you on or whether you live on the North Pole or South Pole or Russia or China or wherever this this is a this is a topic that will affect all of us. Um, and uh, so so that what that's what started me on this journey was I'm, I want to message on this. Uh, it's important, and um, and what really sent it down this path was. Uh, at the time, I was going to write another op-ed, and through my political contacts, I asked to be put in touch with a uh, certain senator's office that a lot of here, a lot of people here would 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 know about. And next thing I know, I was connected with the senator's chief of staff, and uh, I said, "Hey, I want to write an op-ed." Uh, wasn't sure where it would uh, end up, uh, but I want to write an op-ed on the UFO subject. And next thing I know, the following day, I got an email back saying, okay, here's, here's a, a Zoom link. And uh, it was going to be with the senator's national security advisor, comms, uh, comms person, and another person who I wasn't sure uh, who, who that person was. And uh, so, uh, so I hop on this Zoom call. Uh, there's no video. Uh, and when I walk into, this, walk into this call, I'm thinking that this is just, they're just going to ask me, okay, what are you going to write about? What do you want to know about the senator standing? Blah 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 blah, and and that was all I was really prepared for. And uh, I get onto this call, and the first thing they say is that this is all off the record. I'm like, okay, and uh, that's that's no problem. And then they and then uh, the national security advisor goes, "What do you want to know?" And I was completely caught off guard by this, a because I wasn't ready with a whole list of questions or anything. And uh, so I said, yeah, so is this whole UAP thing real or excuse me, UFO thing real? And he said, yes. He said uh, that these were observed on on satellite uh, 
that it is a bipartisan national security uh, concern uh, that, um, you know, there were certain parts of the conversation I, I can't talk about. But, uh, you know, the one thing that really stuck out in my head was towards the end of the conversation, the national security advisor said, we may never understand where this is from. Uh, and I, I have to say that after that conversation, I was really kind of in a, almost like in a state of shock or, uh, I think it's one thing like you hear it on TV or you, you know, you're like, yeah, all of this stuff is real. But when you hear, hear it from uh, a senator that sits on the Senate uh, Armed Services Committee, Senate Intelligence Committee, and this, this senator's national security advisor says, this is real, it's not from here, and we don't know where it's from, what it wants, what its intentions are. Uh, that, that really, that's when I realized that this was an important topic to message on, and, uh, and I would do everything that I could with my audience to bring awareness to this uh, subject. Matt, you have have brought a lot of different contexts to this subject from a political standpoint, and I admire that because you've gone digging. You've done what you're supposed to do, which is why play around with, with a lot of the people out there when you can go for the the answers from those who are in the know. Does it surprise you with how little people in Washington, D.C. seem to know about this subject, or do you think a real game is being played here? Um, I think to a certain extent, senators or people in Congress, they're, they're literally drinking out of a fire hose. Uh, they only have so much bandwidth. Uh, they're dealing with lots of issues, of course, what's going on with Russia and, and Ukraine. Um, but I also think that there's, there is certainly this, the stigma exists. Uh, Senator Gillibrand, Marco Rubio, Mark Warner, uh, Congressman uh, Gallego, they're, you know, there is a core group of people that are very aware of what is going on. Um, they are very aware, I would say, of what has been uh, obfuscated by the Air Force in terms of uh, crash retrieval programs. Um, I, I think things are really turning around. I, I know, for instance, I know that Ross Coltard, who I, the journalist who I have immense respect for, yes. is very uh, seems very skeptical that the um, the process of confirmation uh, is kind of slowing down, but I, I honestly don't. I honestly don't think so. I think that there is, especially in in, in the, the political environment here in the United States, which is very very polarized. This is the one issue that is a a something that brings these folks together. If if you consider the fact that that uh, thirty three pages of legislation was put forth by, uh, by Congress that Joe Biden signed into law. That is enormous. Uh, everything from a whistleblower and, and reprisal protection to mandating that the, uh, that, uh, the Aero Office, the uh, All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, provide a, a report to Congress regarding any historical UAP programs or any uh, programs run by the Central Intelligence Agency that were part of any sort of disinformation campaign. This is law. This is federal law. And if I, I, I think that this is a real turning point. And I think that there is, um, especially with what recently occurred with the balloons, um, which, you know, of course, we were all kind of joking around a bit, but there is a serious awareness of, of this. And 
and um, and I, I I think I think for sure things are turning around. But you know, one one note that I that I saw was um, Congressman uh, Tim Burchett of Tennessee was apparently who I who I understand does not sit on House Intelligence Committee. Uh, or any uh, committee that would uh, allow him the uh, that would grant him the clearance to see uh, intelligence product. But from what I understand, Mark, Senator Marco Rubio is briefing him or has briefed him on stuff. So I really think that the tide is changing. What do you what do you think of the idea? We got about five minutes before we got to go to break here at the bottom of the hour from the Good Trouble Show. Matt Ford is with us on Spaced Out Radio tonight. Speaking of Tim Burchett, I mean. Whether you agree or disagree with his politics in this conversation is irrelevant. Let's focus on UFOs. He has been an absolute pit bull in trying, in trying to get to the bottom of this subject. And, you know, in, in a way, I wish, you know, even the politicians up here in Canada, where I am, would do the exact same thing and act like that. On every subject, not just UFOs, but Burchett has been very vocal about the hidden secrets that we're not in a disclosure movement. We are, we're not even close to disclosure, and I've always said over the last year and a half or so, I think we're in a confirmation, not a disclosure movement. Disclosure means tell us everything. Tell us Roswell. Right. Tell us Eisenhower. Show us the Holloman Air Force Base video and many more, okay? But we're not going to get that under national security. But right, it almost, to me, feels that Tim Burchett has been going down a path that there is almost this secret UFO guideline or group that is actually calling the shots on this. And that's the reason why the military has gone silent, the government looks silly when it comes to UAP, okay, and that there is, you know, not to quote the Transformers, more to me than meets the eye when it comes right. to this. What do you think he's trying to say but can't say? So if you're a, if you're a senator and let's say that you sit on uh, – uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee, and you're 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 privy to certain intelligence product, ISR product. Uh, th- these guys they can't talk about it because they have it's they have the same national security oath that that they signed that they have to that they have to honor. So I think with these guys, it's a very fine line about what they can talk about. If you listen to Senator Marco Rubio. And you listen to the front end of what he says, but then you listen to the very last sentence. That's what you want to listen to. It, they're writing a very fine line in what, in what they can say. Um, and I think that that is. This episode is brought to you by the irresistible taste of Jif peanut butter. It's that Jiffing good. It doesn't really need advertising. So instead, enjoy 30 straight seconds of semi-interesting animal facts, courtesy of Jif. Gorillas are ticklers. Jellyfish have no heart, but they don't care because they have no brain. Platypuses can sting with their feet. The offspring of a bison and a cow is called a beefalo. Coral are technically animals, so this is technically an animal fact. New Yorkers bite far more people each year than sharks do. Dogs have four legs. The ancient Aztecs referred to armadillos as turtle rabbits. Millipedes can sing. Koalas have human-like fingerprints. Humans can use their koala-like fingers to get their incredible Jif peanut butter at Jif.com. 
copay. I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? That could take me a while to calculate. In the meantime, you should think about over-the-counter Contour Next test strips. You get 35 for $19.99, and they're highly accurate. For full details, visit ContourNext.com slash radio. That's part of what has been the issue with, with anyone that has been involved with this whole topic or the secrecy of it, especially anyone involved in historical uh, crash retrieval programs, things like that. They, you know, messing around with a secrecy oath with the United States government is a no-S affair. You know, we're talking uh, prison time in Leavenworth, $10,000 fine, uh, loss of security clearance, loss of, um, of your pension, and, and uh, for folks leaving the military, that security clearance is what keeps them employed post-military. That is so important. So these guys aren't going to screw that up or, or risk losing everything for their family to talk about this if they do not have the legal protection to do so. And that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we even got people around here or who we talk to who have those same security oaths that they just can't break. And they're not about to try and break them. They don't want to because family, it means more than jail time, like you said. And I think I think that's very smart. But there seems to be a real delicate part that Burchett is trying to expose to the yes. best of his ability. And I don't think it includes right. Rubio. I don't think it includes Gillibrand. I'm wondering if somebody has told him, like, look, there is a, a college of, of people out there who are controlling what comes out about this subject, you know, and, and I, my good friend, random guy, I'm wearing his shirt tonight, random guy shirt. <laughs> okay. He, you know, he has been with us kind of teaching us over the last month or so about how it, this game is played. And the one thing that I've learned is we got about a minute to go here is that to me, he disagrees, but to me to quote transformers again, and I hate I, I, I'm I'm so anti, uh, you know, the dude who tries to quote movies. But in the first Transformers, <laughs> there was that, right. uh, you know, Banachek from from Sector Seven. Right, it's almost right. like there's this Sector Seven group out there that is controlling things. We got about thirty seconds. Yeah, I. You know what? When we come back, I, I have some thoughts about uh, Congressman Timbershed. It's uh, purely a theory, but. Uh, but you know what? Uh, we may not uh, agree on m- much policy-wise, but my hat is off to him. I would have him on my show anytime. I think he's a p- pit bull on this subject, and I have uh, mad respect for him uh, for fighting the fight. Well, let's get into it when we come back because we got a lot more UFO talk to come down the pipe here on Spaced Out Radio from the Good Trouble Show on YouTube. Yeah, we got a good friend here. Matt Ford is with us tonight learning about UFOs. What is the best way to educate people about this subject, both on the topic and politically as well? We're going to have a lot of fun. Your questions in hour number two for Matt. Spaced Out Radio with Matt Ford and myself, Dave Scott, continues right after this. Stay tuned. All right, we are clear. Uh, thank you, my flock, Louie and Smithy, for the super chats. Very much appreciate the love, guys, so much. Thank you so, so much for your support. Very kind. Very kind. That was a quick half hour, man. 
That was. That was. That was, that was. And I, I, I must say that I noticed uh, the very nice shout out by the lovely Nicole Sackage. Uh, yes. Uh, she, she apparently appreciates my beard, and uh, I, uh, that means a lot. Well, believe it or not, Nicole actually did her hair for this show. Wow. Yeah. Is she going to be on later? No, we we uh, we can't see it, but you know, she uh, she just did her hair. I just wanted to say that to make her laugh because wow, I know she's I, yeah, I love that. Okay. Yeah, no, fantastic. And uh, if you're new here and you're one of Matt's uh, followers coming on in, checking on out, welcome to Spaced Out Radio. We do things a little bit different here. We are a little bit of a hybrid type of YouTube show and podcast because we have to time everything out with our um, with our radio stations, which is why we have to take breaks at the bottom and top of the hour. But you guys get a behind-the-scenes look at what we talk about and what we kind of snark about uh, during these times. So sit back, enjoy. Uh, the, the, we'll get going here in just a couple of minutes. And if you don't mind, if you're new here, give us a thumbs up if you don't mind. It really helps with our algorithms as well. As, or if you want a thumbs down, that's up to you. Uh, leave a comment after the show. And if you could, hit subscribe, ring the bell. We are here seven days a week for your listening ears. Hi, Eddie Rodriguez and Big Tex Nicholas. Uh, I'm still really upset with you tonight. And um, hi, Thin Lizzie. How are you? Good to see you. Rugged Source, thank you for coming on in. And uh, yeah, look at Thin Lizzie. Why are there two Daves on the screen? He's the better... Uh, He's the better guy. He, look, look how handsome he is compared to rugged good Dave here. You know, Matt's going to come up in British uh, to British Columbia here. We're going to teach him how to use a chainsaw. I, you know, I would probably uh, I cut off my arm if I did that. I, I don't think you want to trust me with a chainsaw. I never. I, I can barely operate a uh, battery-powered uh, drill, so uh, oh, I think a, a chainsaw too. would definitely um, not be a good, not be wise. My friend, I'll tell you, I uh, when I moved up here, I had no idea how to cut down trees, no idea. Wow! And um, and when I and so my buddies had to show me the proper way, and mm-hmm. I remember one time I went out and I found this tree. Oh, I'm going to hack it on up. And it slipped. It wasn't that big. It was only about this round and maybe stood Mm -hmm. about 50 feet high. And I cut it and it turned and started falling right towards me. I tell you, man, I I got so freaked out on that one. But but, uh, I got out of the way, thankfully. But, I mean, you drop a big tree, man. Uh, I'll tell you, you you sprout. Like, I'm getting gray gray chest hair now because I'm almost 50. But... The minute you cut down a big tree, your chest hair goes like dark black again, like real manly. I'll bet. You know, yeah. you know, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I might have to check that out. There are oh. not there are not many trees to cut down in my neighborhood, so. Hmm. Uh, that's right, Joe. Canadian chainsaws ask the log if they would like to be cut. Well, we're polite that way. We are polite. <clears throat> Hope you all are having well, a good look, night. Yeah, go ahead. I look forward to coming and visiting sometime. Anytime, man. Doors open. I love Canada. I love Canadians. So, Well, according to your uh, press secretary at the White House, I live in Canada. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll go there, too. Yeah. 
It's all good. Anytime. Anytime. Welsh Hammer, how are you? Good to see you. TMI, my man, good to have you back. Oh, the new Husqvarna Rancher. That's a nice chainsaw, YJ. I got a uh, steel. Or still, depending how you want to pronounce it. I've got uh, like five blades sitting in my truck, all sharp and ready to go. Really? Oh yeah! Wow. How many how many trees do you cut down in a in a season? I didn't cut you... I didn't cut down one this year because I had okay. an over overabundance of firewood. But next year I'm going to have to cut down a couple. Wow. Thin Lizzie, thank uh, Thin Lizzie, thank you uh, for that comment. Why are there two? Uh, I didn't catch uh, catch that till I looked down. Thin Lizzie Borden, great, great, uh, yeah, great, uh, great band. Yes. Yeah, Thin Lizzie's awesome as well. We got about 15 yeah. seconds here. Uh, thank you so much of you. Tune on in and hit that subscribe button. Hey, Derek, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you. And uh, here we go in five seconds, everyone. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you, if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. From the Good Trouble Show on YouTube and podcast, Matt Ford is our guest tonight. We're looking into the political side of UFOs and teaching the public about ufology and the severity of this topic. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, let's get right to it because, you know, right before the break, we were talking about the severity of of the political scene and, and how it affects everybody. Uh, your audience who you polled when, when you said only about 40% of them were interested in learning about the UFO topic, yet here you are, you know, talking to people like Tim Burchett and other people in Washington, D.C., trying to get them some motivation to get this subject more on the grassroots level than what it currently is. Why has that been an important topic for you for the Good Trouble Show? Why? What sticks out about it that really drives your senses that the public needs to start taking this story seriously? Uh, well, firstly, I've never spoken with Tim Burchette, but okay. Tim, that you're listening. Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? That could take me a while to calculate. In the meantime, you should think about over-the-counter Contour Next test strips. You get 35 for nineteen ninety nine, and they're highly accurate. For full details, visit ContourNext.com slash radio. 
Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern shipbuilding.com come on anytime i would love to have you so my my hat is off to you for for all of your hard work uh you're you are always welcome here um so really what kind to be honest what sent this down uh really down this path is when i began to experience things myself um uh the, my the first time anything happened to me was was Shortly after I uh, had this conversation with the senator's office, and uh, it was probably about a month or month or so later, uh, but uh, I was sitting outside, and this uh, golden orb showed up about 200 feet away from the house. At first, I thought it was a, a helicopter uh, landing light, and uh, it faded out and uh, kept coming towards the house, and it was uh, with a quality of light unlike anything that I've ever seen. And uh, that was my first time in my entire life to see anything like that. Uh, and, and again, you know, as I spoke about earlier, it's one, th- you know, when you hear something from a, a, a senator's uh, national security, security advisor that this stuff is real, that was a shock. But then when I saw it with my own eyes, that's, that's when you really internalize it. And, uh, and since then, that's happened uh, uh, four times uh, total. Uh, including some paranormal stuff that's occurred. Uh, so once I really, really knew this thing was a w- was the real the real deal and was a a uh, something that was important and was a reality, I decided, you know what, I got a message on this. And I remember the first time I did start messaging on it, I had a, a very prominent uh, political uh, activist. Uh, on Twitter, uh, DM me and said, "Hey, are you really going to message on this stuff?" Uh, like, you know, she thought I was crazy, and I said, "Yeah." And um, it's it, here's the thing: is that this is a true reality. This isn't; these aren't stories. These aren't. Um, this isn't uh, uh, people's imagination. This is occurring. It's occurring worldwide. Uh, again, it doesn't matter what your political persuasion is. Uh, this is something that, for whatever reason, is accelerating in uh, in its um, appearance to people. I believe now some people will say that's because we're paying attention to it more. Uh, I mean, who knows? But I, I do believe in my gut that there is something going on, uh, and I do believe that uh, these sudden uh, interest from our lawmakers in this subject that's not without reason. One thing to keep in mind, we spoke about earlier the 33 pages worth of legislation that was written about UFOs. Uh, These things are not made in a vacuum. Lawmakers are not going to expend that kind of effort to put forth this kind of serious law. Uh, I know there are a couple of professional uh, debunkers that say, oh, well, it's uh, it's, uh, Senate staffers that are, you know, gotten you know wound up or or influenced by the you know the ufology crowd that's a bunch of bs uh these staffers are are they know what they 
these aren't people fresh out of college. Let me put it that way. And a lot of these folks have high security clearances as well. And uh, they're not going to brief a senator or a congressman on something that's just a fantasy and convince their boss to write 33 pages of legislation. The question that I have about that, and this comes to what I've seen through the whole Chinese drone aspect, and I'm curious to get your opinion. What I saw was a lot of people using the term unidentified object. Now, for a lot of people out there, that may not sound like anything, but when you're a journalist, when you are a a seasoned reporter, you know, not to pat my own back, it's the little things that trigger your attention. And you mm-hmm. know that from your time in the media and Hollywood as well. And the one thing that I seem to have learned through all of this in talking to people is I think there's a real difference between UAP and UFOs now. I think UAP are more modernized. They are more humanized. They are, it's more human technology that Lou Elizondo was talking about when he released that, that statement regarding the shootdown of the four objects. And I'm curious, in your opinion, are you seeing a, a difference in the subject? Because there is a huge difference between something that's man-made and something that's extraterrestrial. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my whole theory about the whole uh, UAP, UFO thing, I mean, I, I certainly understand uh, perhaps the reason was to combat the stigma, uh, the tinfoil hat-wearing, you know, UFO, you know, stereotype, the derogatory stereotype. Um, but I also... I, I truly believe a lot of this is based on, and this is purely my opinion. I, I have, it's it's purely my opinion, but I, I think it is it is was a mechanism to try to minimize the legal exposure by whatever government entities have been covering this up, Air Force, uh, whoever. I mean, you, you think about the number of lives that have been destroyed, uh, the number of careers that have been destroyed. Uh, and lives that have literally, you know, uh, lives that have been lost over this particular subject. So what what better way to legally sort of try and protect yourself as, as a, a government than to say, oh, this stuff is brand new. You know, let's, uh, since 2017, this UAP thing has been happening. Uh, I think you know, society's, society's attention span is so short, in my opinion, that... Uh, that it, I feel that it was framed in a way to kind of reset the um, reset the conversation. Uh, so, of course, like you said, it, it could have been to try and erase the stigma. I tend to have a bit more of a pessimistic view that it was a way to minimize the damage that will ensue, especially legal damage uh, from uh, when this when the cat is fully out of the bag. And, and you know what? I think that's a that's a good way to put it. You know, when the cat is fully out of the bag, you know, my concern is, I guess, with with the entire topic, is I don't think, in my opinion, society is ready for aliens. I really don't, because I mean, everybody right now is the way the world is going to all hell in a handbasket from our own neighborhoods to the world population. Everybody's like, really, what now? What's next? What are we waiting for? You know, and and I always wonder about the question, why now? 
because to me the last right. six six years don't make sense. They don't make so, sense at all. Uh, yeah, so I I, I kind of have a, a bit of a long winded answer to, uh, answer for that. I do I do believe all of this stuff is happening for a reason. Uh, again, I've only been really tracking this subject for a little bit over a year, and have been fortunate to uh, meet with people that are involved with the disclosure effort um, and uh, and other folks as well that are involved in this topic and they're they're involved in it for the right reason because they believe that this is humanity's right to know about this this isn't uh, this isn't any government uh, it's not any government's place to decide whether this is important to your you or your family. Uh, honesty, the truth always wins, uh, wins in, in this respect. Um, I, I do think that, well, here, I'll, I'll tell you a bit of, you know, when you were talking about how people are, uh, ready or maybe not ready for this. Uh, we certainly saw how people behaved with COVID, um, you know, hoarding toilet paper, uh, raw materials, things like that, and how people were treating each other. And the polarization that just was amplified by that whole pandemic. Uh, I, I think that that is a, a very legitimate uh, concern uh, as far as how people are going to react to it. I mean, when I saw what I saw for the very first time, I'm a very open minded person, but it, it scared the hell out of me. You know, I never seen anything like that. And I knew right away it was not from here. Um, and, uh, so, you, you know, you, you think about maybe public that is not as primed for this. Um, I think that can be a dangerous thing. Now, one of the, one of, one thing that I do strongly believe is that what will guarantee this not to go well is not to, to prime the public on this. If this gets sprung on the public, either by some mass viewing event or something like this, it's not going to go well for the public, and most importantly, it's not going to go well for the government because they're going to have egg on their face. So the, the best way to handle this topic, as Tim Burchett has said time and time again, is, uh, is transparency. Level with the American people, the world, excuse me, uh, and, and uh, level with them that we have, uh, we have retrieved uh, uh, off-world technology uh, I don't think that means you tell them everything. I think there are certain things that, that are legitimate national security secrets, but the, it, they have to level with the public. This can't continue. Uh, uh, it's, it's, as Lou Elizondo so rightly uh, explained this, it's like uh, vegetables rotting in the refrigerator. It's not going to get any better. I, I think that's a great analogy. I, I really do. And, and the one thing that I have learned about all these people who have the security clearance that I've talked to is you really have to learn how to read between the lines into what they are really yes. saying. Like Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding. 
Office Depot Office Max has great deals on everything you need to succeed, like stylish furniture and chairs to keep you working comfortably, the latest tech to keep you organized and productive, calendars and planners to keep you on schedule, and cleaning supplies to keep your space spotless. It's the perfect time to stock up on the supplies you need to succeed from the office to your home and everywhere in between. Need it fast? No problem. Place your order at officedepot.com and pick it up in just 20 minutes at your nearest Office Depot or Office Max store. You know, they may say one line where the sky is blue, and then the next line they're saying there was part orange in that sky. But in reality, what they're telling you is there was a UFO that was causing that orange at that exact 100%. time. Yeah, and I was going to touch on this earlier about Tim Burchette. One theory that I have about him, I don't know this to be a fact, but let's say you're Marco Rubio. You sit on the Senate Armed Services Committee. I believe he's on the Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, I've had very high-placed sources tell me that he 100% knows everything that is going on, uh, but he cannot talk about it due to a security oath. So... And then the same thing I would say about Senator Gillibrand and uh, Ruben Gallego and, and others. So if, if you can't talk about this in very straightforward uh, terms, if I were a senator or I were a congressman and I knew Tim Burchette was really interested in this subject, I would pull him aside and say, look, this is what's going on, man. I can't say anything, but maybe you can uh, without getting yourself tossed into jail. Uh, I don't know this for a fact, but uh, judging by the aggressiveness and how he's been addressing this topic, I am. My radar tells me 100% he is receiving information from folks that uh, in Congress that are know what is going on, and he is he is sort of the de facto mouthpiece because he doesn't sit on these committees and does not have the legal uh, jeopardy uh, to be able to speak his mind. So do you think that a lot of what's coming out of Tim Burchett's mouth is maybe stuff that he has been tipped off to by his closer allies? 100%. Yeah. I, I, uh, uh, again, he and I are not going to uh, agree on much, but we 100% agree on this. He is absolutely right that uh, it is high time that the American public or that the, the government uh, level with the American public and in, in, in turn the world, of course, I he's not the type of guy that I, I see and I don't know a whole lot about him, but I, I don't see him being the type of guy that's going to spout this kind of stuff off without having uh, particular knowledge on this subject. Uh, and I do believe in the past, I, I think it was in one of his uh, interviews with Ross Coltart that he stated that that uh, folks, uh, military uh, folks that have experienced these things uh, firsthand uh, have have briefed him personally. I know for sure that has happened with a certain senators. Uh, and uh, I do know, for instance, you know, we were the first people to break uh, the news that, uh, that people involved with historical crash retrieval programs uh, were testifying to Arrow in January. Uh, I don't know the exact number. I'm guessing it was about half a dozen folks, but I also know that those folks uh, also testified in a skiff with certain senators about these programs. Uh, so it's, you know, it's like anything, you're not going to keep this thing under wraps. Uh, if, if you're a member in Congress, I just don't see it happening. You have built up a portfolio of talking with some 
very influential people within Washington, D.C., and you have broached this subject with them about UFOs. What is the concern from your sources about this topic? What are they stating to you? The, the only thing that I've been told specifically was that it's a, it's a bipartisan national security concern. There were, there were never uh, any conversations about uh, specific uh, concerns. Uh, my past conversations have never involved uh, any of the, uh, the interference with our Minuteman uh, weapons platforms, nuclear ICBM platforms. Uh, now, I do know, for instance, and, and this is, was in the the news uh, recently that uh, Bob Salas, who, who we interviewed and, and uh, some other folks uh, that experienced UA, UFOs interfering with their weapon systems testified to the aero office. It wasn't in person. I believe it was uh, uh, remotely, but they were under, under oath uh, nonetheless. So, you know, that, that stuff is, if, if not, if not every person in Congress is aware of it, I would imagine it's going to be really, really soon. And I, I still stand by this, uh, by my hypothesis that by and large, the obfuscation, I can never say this word, obfuscation by the United States Air Force is primarily due to not wanting to admit that one leg of our nuclear triad has been tampered and interfered with for literally decades. They are the only ones that are not cooperating with, uh, with Congress. And, uh, you know, and you have the Air Force Office of Special Investigations that has run counterintelligence operations for decades uh, on this uh, on this subject. They people in Congress know about it. Trust me. Five minutes ago before we got to go to break at the top of the hour, Matt Ford from the Good Trouble Show is here tonight. Matt. Anybody who you have talked to within your circle of of sources in Washington, have they had their own encounters? Uh, I've been told of a few. I, I uh, not uh, not firsthand by folks, but it has been uh, uh, contacts that have said this particular senator has experienced this, but I'm not at liberty to to speak about that. No, I, I understand. I, I can understand that. So the idea then that there is rather concern are a lot of these people going down the threat narrative that this is a threat to national security. And the reason why I bring that up is a couple of months ago up here in Canada, the Department of National Defense actually uh, answered a number of members of parliament regarding the UFO phenomena saying in their estimation, there was zero threat narrative to Canadian airspaces when it came to unidentified aerial phenomena. Yet it is a very big counter difference of what we hear in the United States, because we also know that threat narratives equate to budgets that have a lot of zeros on them. I, I, I uh, well, uh, number one, if, if UFOs are interfering with our strategic nuclear deterrent, there is no more, uh, no plainer uh, example of a national security threat, uh, in my view. Uh, the fact that these things are operating with impunity in our training ranges, uh, that they are uh, interested in our nuclear equities, uh, that uh, that these things are being uh, encountered on on a on a near daily basis. Uh, if, you know, you listen to people like uh, 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 Ryan Graves, former uh, Navy F-18 uh, 
Hornet driver and and what he encountered, I I, I truly think it is a national security concern uh, for sure. Um, if um, I, I also believe too that the national security conversation is an excellent vehicle to get more lawmakers on board. Uh, if 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 you if if you were uh, someone say like a Lou Elizondo, and I, I am not saying this is what he did or or his motivation would be, but I, I think that really anyone trying to get this topic to be uh, taken seriously there is no better vehicle to do that than pointing out the national security implications. Uh, I, I don't believe that that was the reason for doing it, but I do think that it is, it, it, it was a good way of, of getting it into the conversation because again, I do believe it is a national security issue. Um, and uh, you know, if these things, you don't know where they're from, what their intentions are, what their capabilities are, uh, and they're flying around with impunity uh, in in your in your airspace, and your air force, your military can't do anything about it. That's a national security problem. I understand that thinking. I completely mm-hmm. do, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to sure. you know shoot past that. But we don't. Yeah, yeah. But we don't have any incidents. You know, there's no, we don't. I think. Well, I mean. I would say, you know, the only thing that I can point out, uh, point to in terms of documented incidents would be uh, incidents with the Minuteman uh, weapons platforms. Uh, you know, I, that is the only one that I can say. I would imagine that there are others, uh, but, you know, we, we, won't, we don't know because there, that transparency does not exist. And, and again, I go back to the, to the, to the premise that this is – as Tim Burchett says, we need more transparency. Uh, we do because those are ex- those are legitimate questions to be asked. Are these truly a, a, a security threat? And my, my personal opinion, I think that there it is something that needs to be examined. Uh, do I know it for a fact? No, because they have not been honest with the American public. And the only way to gain clarity on that, and for and again for people to decide for themselves what this means to them, what this means to their family, whether it makes a hill of beans a difference to them or not. It's people need to make that decision on their own. They can only do that with, uh, with the government government being as transparent as possible on this. Yeah. And I, and I would agree with you on that. Transparency is something that we are suffering from. And how do you have the conversation without giving information? Exactly. And I think, you know, so you have folks like Professor Avi Loeb uh, with the um, with the Galileo project. And he, he said, you know, said many times, it's like, let's not wait. And Dr. Gary Nolan has said this as well in so many words. Let's not wait for, you know, for daddy to tell you this is real. Uh, let's, uh, you know, with with Avi Loeb and the Galileo project, they have the technology. They have the sensor suite to to. Uh, deploy uh, to gather, uh, you know, to gather the data uh, themselves. You know, the sky is not classified. You can't go and take footage over a nuclear uh, missile uh, site, but, uh, you know, but the rest of rest of it, you can. I'm going to get you to hold on right there. Matt Ford from The Good Trouble Show is our guest tonight. Grant, if, Grant he has, a, I, I'm just so fumbled because he looks so good on camera. Great hair, nice shirt and tie combination. 
high-quality facial stubble, and great points of view when it comes to UFOs. Hour 2 is next on Spaced Out Radio. I got a little time. Yeah, my, I'm there. looking at Michael's comment. Yeah, I I do hope that is truly the reason. Um, uh, I mean, surely, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's. I hope. I do hope that is the case. Right. And that is the message. I know Robert Salas is as that is his opinion of yes. what why that has gone on. Mine too, my friend. I'm going to take a quick break here. Step away. I'm going to put you back in the green room. And we got, we got about five and a half minutes, okay? So if our Perfect. audience, we got uh, stick around. We we do have a lot more programming. We're just going to take a quick break here uh, and step away. Be right back.
back. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Hi, Dave. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm very well, thank you. My uh, wife is grabbing me a, a nice uh, tea. Very nice oh, of her. Very nice. Very nice. I'll, uh, if you like, I can share the story from yesterday. If if you want, we can do that. Uh, or up to you. Totally, whatever you want to talk about. I'm up for anything. I, I'm just game, man. This has just been fantastic. I could cool. do. I could do. I hope I'm not rambling too much. No, no, no. No. Uh, before you get to that, I do have a question for you that. Sure. I will ask. And uh, kind of go from there. Okay. But um, we got about forty-five seconds. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's been fun. Thank you for having me on. Oh, we're gonna do this again, dude. We're gonna do this again. Cool. It's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. I, I think uh, uh, we uh, I enjoy uh, enjoy conversing with you. There is uh, there is a lot of what in what you're saying that is just awesome, and uh, people need to listen. People really do need to listen. I want to say a big thank you to Smithy, Louie, MyFlock, Deb, Red Panda, Nancy H., Jeff, and Obi Flat for the amazing super chats. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. You can get your SOR swag on our website. Here we go with Hour 2. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Here we go with hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America. Digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Stream Live at KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Ainana. Inana is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. The Good Trouble Show host, Matt Ford, is with us, teaching ufology to those who don't want to learn or are just not ready to learn about this subject. It is an in-depth conversation about a very bipartisan topic, and Matt comes from more of a political side of everything. We highly suggest you go to his YouTube channel, The Good Trouble Show, and hit subscribe on that. Matt, welcome back. Thank you very much. Thanks. Uh, you know, I'm hoping by the end of uh, end of our show, I will have uh, my beard will be about as, uh, as as thick as yours. I feel like it's I feel like it's going that way. I I uh, I hope that's the case. Well, if you need, I'm just putting this out there. If you need, I I do have some listener beards that have been sent to me over time. So if you, I, if you I, need a beard, I have some beards here. I, you know, you have my word. Next time you have me on your show, I will have a thicker beard. With, your, with one of your fake beards or not, I promise okay. I'll come more prepared. I, I love it. I love it. 
I want to ask you, because we talked quite politically the last half hour about what's going on in D.C. and whether or not the politicians really know what's going on. But one of the things that I look at, because I, I kind of come from this from a different point of view, not only for for many people out there who don't understand. I'm a journalist by trade, but I'm also an experiencer of this phenomena and, and have had very close encounters with the not only UFOs, but with extraterrestrials as well. You may choose not to believe me. That's okay. You're allowed. I do. Not to. I do believe you. But the question that I have is we see a lot of these political groups and these scientific groups popping up, whether it's Galileo Project, Enigma Labs, or UAPX, or, or a number of these groups that are now out there, Ryan Graves Group. Everybody is talking about the nuts and bolts aspects of these. We need to learn their propulsion systems. We need to know, you know, how they are flying. We need to know how they're getting into our airspace. But for the experiencers and the people out there who have had close encounters of the third, fourth, fifth kind, this is a completely different subject that is not even being tailored to yet. How do we combine the two if one group, the main vocal group... Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding. Building.com. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding building.com is not allowing the experiencer process to be involved. I believe my, my uh, feeling on that. And by the way, I, I, uh, I 100% believe uh, that you've experienced these things. I've no, re- there's, there's far too much uh, literature out there on the subject, uh, starting with uh, Dr. You know, with the work of Dr. John Mack. Uh, I, to, to, really be skeptical of that. I mean, because really, if, if these craft are here, the natural question is, okay, what's driving them? What is in them? Uh, I, I, my feeling is, and this is a purely my opinion, is that I think this kind of spoon feeding of the subject uh, to the general public, uh, I feel does probably have to go in stages. I think that the... Um, the uh, once it uh, you know it's 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 very or somewhat easy com- easier conversation to talk about nuts and bolts or how this got from point A to point B. Uh, the next step is then going to be okay. Well, what is what is driving them? Uh, I think uh, I think probably the very last thing that will ever be addressed will be the abduction phenomenon, which I believe is true. Um, so uh, it's it. I I, ju- I think it's just I think it's just happening in stages uh, because the 
I, I, the folks that don't really follow this stuff, it's, I think it's a bit of a big learning curve to a certain extent. I mean, certainly media has, um, uh, through movies and whatnot, has, has opened people's eyes to it. But I, I, uh, I, th- I think in terms of the non-human intelligence aspect of it, that is something that will people are going to be eased into it for lack of a uh, lack of a, a better way. And um, and I, if if I answered your question, uh, let me know. Otherwise, I, I want to I'll tell you a bit of, of the experience that I happened uh, that happened last night. Continue which on, which I think I, I, I yeah, think so, this ties into it. Okay, yeah. So, um, so a friend of mine that is a political operative that is very well known in a particular party uh, who has uh, helped facilitate uh, relationships uh, between myself and, and other folks, uh, I uh, reached out to this person over a year ago to make some meetings happen. And, uh, and this person had never had any experience whatsoever in the UAP topic none whatsoever. And of course, I'm explaining to her why I think that this is a, an important subject uh, for Democrats and uh, something that, that uh, lawmakers need to really wake up and pay attention to. And uh, so uh, we, I think we had spoken maybe about a month and a half ago. We don't speak very often. And this person has personal relationships with senators presidents. Uh, this person's very well known uh, in political circles. And I guess it was about uh, probably about nine, so six, six, 6 p.m. my time, I get a text on my phone and she's like, oh my God, I just, I, I just saw one and she sends a video. And, uh, and what had happened was uh, this person was in Florida at, uh, at, there, uh, this person has a penthouse that overlooks uh, uh, overlooks the Gulf Coast, and uh, they uh, this person was having a small dinner party with four other people, and it was around nine o'clock at night, uh, Eastern time, and they saw these lights off in the distance, and they they all began taping them on their or filming it on their cell phone. Next thing they know, two large Tic Tacs that. Uh, they described as larger than a Boeing 737 were hovering, you know, a hundred yards away from them. And uh, the kind of, I I mean, I think panic would probably be too strong of a word, but it was, it was frightening. Uh, The four party goers uh, ran out of the house uh, and uh, out of uh, her, uh, her place. And, um, uh, and it was alarming because this person had never had anything like this happen. Uh, it was obvious it was nothing else uh, that uh, that would have been made by human hands. And, you know, going back earlier when I was saying that I believe that there is kind of a guiding hand, this particular person has the ears of a lot of folks in Washington. And to consider that uh, this person, this person had never had any experience like that and encountered it, sent me video uh, and is trying to recover video from the four other people that were at the, at this uh, small dinner get together. I mean, that's, that's significant. And I can tell you that this person 
uh, and we, we chatted for a very long time. The second part of this conversation is, is that uh, I immediately connected this person with someone uh, that works in the government that is dealing with this topic. This person debriefed, uh, debriefed her, and, uh, and uh, as I sat and listened to the whole question and answer session, it sounded almost exactly what, they, uh, what David Traver encountered uh, over the Atlantic. Uh, so, so now this person that I've been trying to explain the, the seriousness of this topic, this person now understands it. And, uh, this person is going to be at a dinner function with a United States Senator. I think it's in the next two or three weeks. And this person is going to personally pull that Senator aside and explain what occurred, uh, so long, very long, one last point is that I do believe that um, these kind of connections are not coincidental. Uh, I do believe that it's not coincidental that uh, it wasn't until I started messaging on this topic that things started showing up above my house uh, where I've never seen it. Um, it's, there's too, too much going on, in my opinion, that is to be coincidental. And. How do you feel about that? All of a sudden you get into this topic and now you're starting to see things happen. I, I mean, to be honest, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's been a bit anxiety producing. Uh, I, I do not wish to wake up to find anything in my bedroom. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, and of course I've, I've heard through listening you know, to, I think some of your guests on your, on your show that these things do tend to, uh, accelerate. I I am perfectly fine with uh, banging on the walls in the house and seeing uh, orbs of light uh, above the house. I do not wish it to go any further than that. Okay. Uh, so on. it's, I you know actually one thing I do remember you saying uh, one of the very first podcast uh, uh, episodes that I heard from you, Dave, is you saying you do not want this, and I I am in agreement with that. No, that that's very true. You know, I and and like most experiencers, nobody asks for this. No, right. you know, I, my situation has been rather tame compared to many people who are in our chat room on a nightly basis, or many people who are listening to this show and are too right. or too uh, scared to talk about. One story I'd love to tell, if you don't mind. A number of years ago, when I when I started this, I actually had a gentleman reach out to me. He had been listening for four months. And he was a very God-fearing man. He worked in uh, as a as a correct. Maybe he still does. Works as a corrections officer in a Midwest state in a maximum security prison. It's all murderers and be- really bad people there. And out of the blue, almost seven days a week, he started getting activity of uh, being taken, mm. and he was getting taken almost every night for months. Mm. And this is a gentleman, once again, very God-fearing, and goes to church sure. on Sundays and and can't understand it to the point where he was ready to commit suicide. Oh, man. And Because he, he, I mean, to be a corrections officer, you have to be mentally and physically tough. You have no choice. And this was driving him nuts to the point where, you know, he was only sleeping. I mean, he would go to work for for a 10-hour shift four days a week, and he's sleeping maybe an hour a night because he's so afraid of these little gray beings coming in to get him. And him and I talked about this, and 
he was so scared. Like he was crying on the phone to me about what do I do? And I will, right. I will never forget that. You know, I mean, these are the experiences that, that people are having. Now, not everybody has a negative encounter, you know, and this is where it gets a little bit uh, dicey on what side do you believe. I mean, fear sells, fear creates budgets, fear creates a lot of storytelling. But there are people out there who say, hey, you know, I I had my knee issues and all of a sudden I can walk again or I had cancer. And now it's gone miraculously. I mean, there are a number of those type of stories out there, and it's hard to fathom that it, this phenomena is actually happening and trying to figure out how it works and what truly is going on. That's the big mystery. I, I yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, and the um, you know one of the things that really surprised me was beginning to experience sort of poltergeist activity. Uh, uh, and, and when I first started looking into the subject, I had no idea that there seemed to be uh, some sort of co-location to it. Um, you know, talking to my friend last night and, it, you know, I was on the phone for probably, you know, three hours total. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, one thing that was said was why me? And I said, well, to be honest, it's probably because you've been, uh, speaking with me. Um, and, uh, uh, one thing I didn't, I don't think I mentioned earlier when I, when I first wrote that, uh, uh, article on a UFO, uh, you know, a UFO nuke uh, air force connection. Uh, I had spent a considerable amount of time interviewing Robert Hastings, the author of UFOs and nukes. And it, it was really kind of after that conversation, which sort of happened around the same time with the Senate call that all of this started. And I've, I've, joke with friends. Well, if you want to experience a phenomenon, talk to Robert Hastings on the phone for a while and it'll end up, you know, coming to you. I, I truly believe the, um, in the, the hitchhiker phenomenon. I, I've, I've seen it firsthand. And again, I've never had a thing happen to me until over a year ago. And, and uh, and you're so right. You're so right about it. And, and look, I think the biggest mistake that a lot of the nuts and bolts people make is is the realization that it seems that everything here is connected, whether, like you mm-hmm. said, poltergeist activity, paranormal activity, uh, to UFOs and ET contact, to the cryptid world, to, to consciousness, to everything. It all seems to be connected. And what, you know, Nicole Sackage and I, who is a friend of yours and a friend of mine uh, and a regular on this show, we, we like to call the phenomena. The phenomena is is the umbrella term that just seems to make sense for everything that is going on. And, you know, it it doesn't matter where you go. It's always there. I mean, Matt, you come up and visit me. I can take you to my Bigfoot area where we where we actually had a Sasquatch sighting last October. But we found we found footprints there. We've seen uh-huh. we've seen UFO activity there. We've seen mm-hmm. fairies flying through the mm-hmm. trees. We've seen sure. we've had one time when we when the minute we turned onto that logging road to go up to this area, everybody in my truck started getting freaked out. Mm-hmm. And when we got up there, there was something there. We don't know what it was, okay? But we got something up there that that wouldn't allow us to move from our vehicle. I kept my vehicle running it, for yeah. 40 minutes. And my buddy who was with us, because we always go into that area armed, 
okay, because mm-hmm. it, not for the Sasquatch or anything else, right. but let's face it, a 1,500-pound moose or a 1,200-pound grizzly bear or a 500-pound cougar is not very friendly. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's going to do some damage. But in this area, he actually had a telepathic message to him that said, I wouldn't pull the gun out of the vehicle unless you want something bad to happen. Wow. Well, you, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's stories from uh, skinwalkers at the Pentagon of this happening to uh, uh, security on grand security people uh, of uh, walking into an area and uh, this uh, internal voice saying, you're not welcome here. Yes. Uh, if you had asked me two years ago, about like whether I believed in Bigfoot or fairies or, or whatever, I would have said, well, I think the UFO stuff is probably uh, real, but that other stuff is a bunch of bull. I, this, what I've experienced has completely changed my mind and made me realize that uh, uh, really anything is possible. And I think this phenomenon, as you so, so rightly put it, manifests itself in many different ways that we just do not understand. It's a... Uh, it's a, a, a nature that we just don't understand yet. No, and the problem is, how do you understand it? Where do you even start? Even the most experienced experiencers have no clue where to start. Right. I, you know, I, I'm not real sure. I've asked myself that question as well. Like, uh, you know, why is poltergeist activity? Why does it co-locate with UAP activity? I have no idea. I mean, I've. Uh, you know, I don't, I certainly don't have any of the answers. I have no idea what this thing is, um, or, or what, you know, the plethora of these things, whatever they, they may be. I don't know. It's, it's, that's a, that's a very difficult question. And I think also too, you know, that I, I think so many folks are very, uh, by nature, very binary thinkers and, um, the American, at least the American public in my view. And, this has so many shades of gray to it. Uh, you know, it's it's entirely possible much of the reason or some of the reason uh, that they have not leveled with the American public is they can't explain what this thing is. Uh, and again, in that call with that uh, with that as you know, Senate staffer, um, uh, you know, that was the one thing that stuck out of my mind was him saying we may never understand. You know, what this is and where it's from. And that surprised me because, of course, I thought, oh, it's, all, it's E.T. It's got to be, right? I had no idea about these other uh, possibilities. We have three minutes to go before we're going to go to break at the bottom of the hour. Matt Ford from The Good Trouble Show is here tonight talking UFOs. Matt, let's get back to the original topic here in regards to educating your listeners and the public about this subject. The media has a great role to play in this, you know, and I'm not a fan of Tucker Carlson. In fact, uh, in my opinion, he's got one of those faces that I just want to, you know, take to center ice at a <laughs> hockey rink and, and punch, right. you know, and, and I say that with all due respect to the hard work that he does. Okay. But the right. one thing I do admire him for is I think realistically, he is the only television personality that has not dropped this subject. I don't think he's asked a lot of the proper questions. I don't think he, I think he's let a lot of people off the hook because in reality, he's not a journalist. He'll even tell you that, you know, and I, and I accept that from him, but the fact that the media plays a major role in this and 
yet they're doing nothing about it. And uh, so one of the best interviews I've ever seen uh, with Dr. Gary Nolan, who, by the way, will be on our show later uh, this month. We're super excited to have him on. Uh, One of the best interviews I've ever seen Dr. Nolan do was with Tucker Carlson. Tucker asked very thoughtful questions. Uh, It was one of the most informative things. The, The... my big bone to pick is that the mainstream media is missing the boat on this. Conservative media, Fox News, they are the only ones by and large covering this. Now, you do have uh, uh, fantastic uh, uh, journalists such as uh, uh, Daniel Otis uh, in, uh, in your neck of the woods, Chris Sharp in the UK, uh, uh, Mark von Rennenkamp, and, and of course, Leslie Keen, uh, Ralph Lumenthal. But the mainstream media, in terms of television, televised mainstream media, they are asleep at the wheel, and they are doing a disservice to their viewers, and they're doing a disservice uh, to humanity in general by burying their head in this. I cannot figure it out for the life of me. Well, to with 30 seconds to go here, I can say this from being former media. They don't know how to cover the subject. That's a big topic. And when you don't know how to cover the subject, what you normally do is you throw softballs mm-hmm. because softballs get you in and out very quick. And then you go to your editing booth, get the piece done, and then you are out. And that's well, and- that's mm-hmm. the big reason why. But I'm going to get you to respond because we are going to continue this conversation when we return on Spaced Out Radio. From the Good Trouble Show on YouTube, highly recommend you hit subscribe. Matt Ford is our guest tonight, educating the public about UFOs. What is out there? What is going on? So far, it's been a fast-moving, fast-paced show. Next half hour will be as well. Then in hour three, we got the Swamp Dweller and Super Duke coming in with the Cryptid Report. Lots of show left as we pass from the first half to the second half right after this. Stay tuned. Thank you, Cat Chaser, for adding to the Super Chats. We love your continued support of Spaced Out Radio all the time. Thank you so, so much. Thank you to Obi and Jeff and Nancy H., Red Panda, Deb, My Flock, Louie, and Smithy as well. Oh, yeah. I uh, I did my entire – I went. I got invited last year to uh, the MUFON Symposium. And oh, how was that? It, it, was, it was good. It was good. Um Apparently, I'm not patting my own back here or anything, but I've had a number of people since then uh, come up to me and say, thanks for being a breath of fresh air. And it wasn't the same old topics each from the same old people each and every mm. time. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess I must have made some people think, which is always a good awesome. thing. But the media side of everything is very, very personal to me. You know, because sure. I remember being in the newsroom when those UFO calls came in and we would just laugh and hang up. We'd make yeah. fun of the person until I had, I actually called my old newsroom one day because we saw this giant white orb of friends of mine mm-hmm. and my, and myself. And, and we saw this giant white orb. Uh, we were sitting on my patio that had a Southern exposure and, and uh, the the mighty Fraser River was a couple miles below us, and and we watched this giant orb, this white orb, 
rock through and then make an, an immediate pinpoint 90 degree turn to the south, made a 180 degree turn to head back north, went into the sky and then like just dropped like like just dropped into a lake and it's it's interesting sorry going ahead yeah and i called my old newsroom my buddy john Mm -hmm. answered told him what happened and i got the Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern shipbuilding.com. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding building.com how much you had to drink dave how much how much pot? <laughs> right, yeah. what are how you much? smoking there yeah exactly smoking the wacky weed yeah 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 no i i it's uh yeah i can't i i honestly can't figure it out um yeah tucker's done a great uh job at uh uh covering this uh the the liberal media out here is is i just they gotta they, they gotta wake up uh, i i I, I have heard rumor that six multiple rumors that 60 minutes is working on another piece on the topic. Uh, the, you know, the big piece of news that I think will blow the door open is cra- historical crash retrieval programs. Once that comes out in a more verifiable way. And I believe that's probably what 60 minutes is hunting. Uh, I, I think then it will be too. It'll be impossible for them to ignore. You know at the, that point. The silly part about it is, when sixty minutes in twenty seventeen twenty eighteen interviewed Robert Bigelow, you could mm. t- you could tell that they had no clue what he had just said. They oh had, yeah, I'm sure they had yeah. no clue when he was sitting there saying, "You don't have to go into space; they're already here." Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just went, yeah. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. And and who was the interviewer? Laura, Lo- not Laura Loomer. Well, I think it's Laura Logan. I believe. Laura Logan. That's right. I yeah, actually yeah. reached out to her to see if she would come on this show and talk about it. I never heard back from her, unfortunately. Wow. But wow. but I you know because the question that I had for her is how how many follow ups did you do follow up questions that maybe hit the editor editor's editor's floor right you know oh yeah i'm i'm sure yeah I, yeah I, I i do think there's probably a lot of a lot of that um but you know you do have you know like i mentioned chris sharp a bunch of these other folks that are really doing uh covering this with the rigor that it needs to be needs to be covered um it's oh, yeah. it's uh yeah, I'll, I'll speak a little bit more on that when we're when we're back back on air. Oh, but I was going to say real quick, yeah. So the first three orbs that ever showed up above my house were gold. 
uh, gold, uh, you know, maybe like the sm- size of a small car. The one that sh- that showed up about two weeks ago was large and white, and that was the first time it had ever I'd ever seen one that size and of of that color. It sounds like what you what you saw. Hmm. Yeah, crazy, crazy them orbs. Yeah, as long as they stay above my house and not come in, I'm good. So. Yep. We had an orb, uh, I'll quickly tell this, we had an orb sighting at our friend's house one, one afternoon, and mm-hmm. it, looked like a, it looked like a weather balloon. And mm-hmm. by the time I went home half an hour later, I rushed mm-hmm. outside to see where this balloon was or what I thought mm-hmm. was a balloon. Mm-hmm. It stood stationary over top of my house for almost three, mm. three hours. Yeah. So it was weird. Here we go. We got three seconds here. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Talking UFOs tonight. What a great night of radio it's been. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Until the top of the hour, we have a great guest tonight, one that you will want to listen to probably again. There's been an informative show. The Good Trouble Show host, Matt Ford, is with us. And, yeah, if you watch on YouTube, he's got a great jacket, shirt, and tie combination going on. Looks, This guy's put together. I mean, he he's ready for banquets. Ready for banquets. Oh, thanks. You know, Matt, thank I, you so much for being here, my friend. Thank you for having me. I've, it's really been a pleasure. Right before the break, we were talking about the experiences that you were having. You've seen a few orbs, and you, you've noticed that since you've started delving into this topic, that all of a sudden activity is picking up around you and and right. and now people that you are talking to. Do you think that the phenomena is about to open you up? I, I think that, um, I mean, obviously this thing is... is Eons more intelligent than we are as human beings, in my opinion. Uh, it's non-human intelligence, and I, I am certain it's quite aware of what we're talking about and what we're doing. And you know, maybe you know they are playing a kind of five D chess. You know, I'm I'm not sure, but it, it just it, I've seen too many coincidences in people that I've met people I've been introduced to, people that I've developed relationships with, um, for it to just be a pure coincidence. Uh, We were speaking earlier about what happened uh, to my friend last night, and uh, uh, I I truly think that happened for a reason. And uh, it's just the... uh, not the aggressiveness of the encounter. I don't think it was an aggressive thing, but the the blatant showing of what these things were 
close up uh, was meant to, in my get estimation, to cause some kind of reaction. And again, this person is very connected in in uh, in DC. So, uh, if you're a non-human intelligence and you're wanting to um, bring about some kind of change or confirmation or disclosure, whatever you want to talk, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, you would certainly try to influence those those people in, the, in those circles and, and leaders and uh, in, in government. What do you think the fear is about this? Is it aliens? Is it that this subject is very unknown? Where do you see the fear? I think that, I think for the most part, we are, you know, we have sort of instilled in us that we are the apex species. Uh, that we are the top of the food chain. We're the smartest thing, uh, you know, since uh, since sliced bread or whatever, you know, whatever analogy you want, you want to use. And uh, I think that that's going to, it has the potential to really rattle people to be told that we're the middle, perhaps the middle of the food chain and that uh, whatever this is, uh, this non-human intelligence that's, that's interacting with us, uh, that we don't have any control over it. We don't have any power over it, as, you know, as far as I know. Uh, yeah, that's a big pill to swallow. Um, to, and, and that's one reason why I think the, the abduction phenomenon will be uh, probably the very last part of any sort of conversation because, in my view, that uh, uh, if that is occurring, which I do believe it is, I mean, that is the uh, highest violation of human rights that I could possibly think of. Uh, right. So there's, a, there's just a lot to, for people to swallow, the general public, that there's something here. We don't have control over it. Can't do anything about it. It's not going away. Uh, and, oh, by the way, you know, it, this is just what it is. Uh, so, you know, that's a lot to swallow. Being new to the UFO world... Do you think the UFO family does itself any disservice by the way people watch what they say and do on places like Twitter or Reddit or other social media aspects, whether it's the people who are putting out fake CGI videos, whether it's the people who are having public disagreements on social media or trying to dox people, because this is what the the fr- we're the fringe but the public right. who is looking into this who maybe wants to learn more heads over to ufo twitter or heads on to reddit and sees or youtube and sees a lot of this arguing and fighting yes it happens in everything from sports to to knitting and crocheting okay but I, mm-hmm. you know has has the aspect of the way ufo twitter has acted many a time affected the severity of this topic? Uh, that's a really great point. Uh, I mean, UFO Twitter is certainly a S, S show. I won't say the four-letter word, uh, by and large. Uh, and you, excuse me, and this is where I have a problem with some of the uh, professional debunkers uh, who are just there to stir the pot and, um, you know, that kind of thing. And, and and as you mentioned, you know, there, there is always this kind of drama and sort of anything like this. However, what I would say is that uh, people 
like for instance, you know, so our our combined following on Twitter on the Good Trouble Show and Stand for Better is over eighty six thousand followers, uh, and they're all they're all very politically active by and large. Uh, are they going to UFO Twitter? Probably not. They're probably just watching what content I'm putting out. Uh, I think that if you, if you are new to the subject, I, I'm not convinced that you're you would start looking into UFO. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm I'm not real sure, but um, but it's it it it, it does itself a disservice uh, to have that. But I would say, by and large, the majority of the folks there have good intentions. You only have uh, two in particular, maybe a few more that I can think of that are are really there to try and upset the apple cart just out of uh, spite or perhaps being on somebody's payroll. Well, there are rumors that many people within the UFO Twitter community are actually implanted spies, spooks from alphabet agencies and, sure. and or paid agents. Yeah, I, no, I wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, you know, touching back on um, on what you were talking about with the media, uh, the media being asleep at the wheel. You also have uh, people in the media, uh, namely uh, Julian Barnes of The New York Times, Hallman Jenkins of The Wall Street Journal, that clearly have an agenda, in my opinion, of of trying to sway public opinion, uh, you know, particularly uh, Barnes of the New York Times has time and time again uh, done everything to uh, poison the well before any sort of UAP legislation or report uh, reports came uh, come come about. Uh, and you uh, you see uh, Barnes and, and Jenkins spit out almost identical talking points that would come from the DoD uh, trying to debunk uh, this whole this whole uh, a topic, and you know, if, if you want to, if you want to convince a senator or a congressman to stop backing something, or or, or uh, asking for funding for a program, for instance, there, there's a, a increased funding request for Arrow. What better way than to talk to your national security uh, correspondent contact at the New York Times, or the Wall Street Journal, and whisper into their ear, "Hey, this is what we would like you to say." We're going to give you some other goodies about, you know, what you want to know about Russia or whatever, but we want you to put these talking points out. I firmly believe that is what is going on. Let's get to a question from Red Panda here. And he says, uh, Mr. Ford, can you share any behind the scenes Capitol Hill UFO stuff? And what are your predictions for the year, given this political knowledge? Uh, I mean, Really kind of everything that I sort of know up to this point uh, that I can share, I, I have shared. Um, I, it, you know, it's really kind of anyone's guess. I, my, my gut is that this is, going to, uh, this is going to continue to snowball. There's no way of putting the toothpaste uh, back in the tube. Uh, and I do believe uh, Senators Gillibrand Rubio and others are well aware of uh, the obf- obf- yeah, I can never say it obfuscation and uh, the illegal programs that have been run by and probably in particular the United States Air Force. They're not going to let this go. I think that's a great answer. There are a lot of people within the intelligence and and black ops community, whether they've worked at special bases north of Las Vegas or whether or in Utah or New Mexico or 
other places who claim that there is no aliens, not saying that they don't exist or aren't visiting, but truly in belief that there really isn't anything being covered up by the United States government. You know, and that is coming from insider information from the people who have boots on the ground comparatively to what we are hearing from experiencers and and those in government who have gone as far as saying we have crash retrievals and scientists who are saying that as well, government scientists. You know, where do we stand on this highly anticipated debate on whether or not this is actually happening or if it's just one giant cover-up? I, I mean, I, I've talked to too many people that would know about this stuff, not directly related to crash retrieval programs, but people that would be aware of it uh, uh, simply because these are you know folks behind the scenes in Washington covering this particular topic. Uh, it, it's my understanding is that it is so heavily compartmentalized, so, so stovepiped as as they uh, as has been put, and that it's it's uh, spread spread out um that i i think it's it's probably just going to be difficult to track you know the other thing too is that let's say that uh arrow does find out yeah we've had this uh legacy crash retrieval program and it continues to this day whether they're going to tell the american public about that that's a really big if it is a big if but it's a question that still needs to be asked in regards to it, because this is such a controversial type topic. Now, coming from more of a Democratic side, we know that uh, from Luis Elizondo and other people who have come out and stated that there's a big 50-50 draw in this line, line drawn in the sand regarding those who are very much wanting to learn more about this subject, whether it's extraterrestrial or not, and then the group out there who still, you know, religiously speaking, believes that this is something demonic. It could lead to Armageddon and the destruction of the planet when demons coming down from the sky. That seems to be the great debate from what I'm hearing by a number of politicians. Are you hearing that as well? The same. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, the United States Air Force in particular, that's a very, um, especially uh, 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 U.S. Air Force Academy graduates, um, and maybe not so much today, but in the past, uh, you know, the, the religious aspect is a very important part of their um, uh, upbringing in the Air Force. Uh, so I would imagine that has something to do with it. Uh, but really, at, at the end of the day, I, what I've been told um, you know, and this is kind of secondhand. Uh, uh, it's not like so, I know someone that's involved in a crash retrieval program. They told me that, but but by and large, the consensus that I seem to be hearing is it's really it's it's about power and money, um, and and which is why all of this got squirreled away in private uh, aerospace to avoid uh, congressional oversight. You know, if if you're Northrop Grumman, and let's say you happen to have uh, uh, non-human uh, technology, and you you sell fifty B two bombers a year, and at you know half a billion a piece or whatever that that is, and and you possess this alien technology, uh, are you going to put it out there? And all of a sudden, you're only selling five, uh, you know, five stealth bombers uh, versus the fifty. If 
probably from a business perspective, you're just going to you're going to keep that black money coming in. You're going to keep that uh, money coming in to buy your bombers. Uh, you know, it's money makes a world go around, unfortunately, in, in that area. Where do we see this topic going in 2023? I mean, we're still young. I, we're still young in the year. Okay, sure. I don't see. I don't see a lot of information coming out. I see it, you know, continuing to dribble like a leaky tap. Your thoughts? I don't know. I, you know, I've been, I've been kind of trying to figure that out as well. I mean, obviously, it's it's looking into some kind of crystal ball. Um, I, it, it, the things I'm hearing is that this stuff is ramping up the encounters with uh military things like that and and just kind of the 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 non coincidence you know the the coincidences that i think are not coincidental seem to in my view be ramping up i i, I mean i i really don't know it's it's uh i i think we've already made a huge amount of headway just uh in just in what we've seen already I mean, already the public awareness of uh, with what happened with the with the balloons, which and I believe probably the other three items were prosaic. And that's something that I've heard from my sources as well, uh, that it's nothing uh, crazy. Uh, but, you know, I, my hope is that it, it, it brings up awareness. Uh, I think it will take another uh, 60 minutes uh, segment, some something big to 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 jump it or, uh, or as I'm, I think I mentioned off air, I, I think the thing that will really blow this thing open is, uh, crash retrieval programs, because if there's a, if the government has a crash retrieval program, they have it for a reason. They're not just having it, you know, for the heck of it. There is a reason that they have that. There's a reason they are funding it. And there is a reason Congress wrote 33 pages of legislation on UFOs that is now law. There are reasons for these. And the politicians you have talked to regarding this, do they want more information out or are they part of the holdback because they feel maybe the American and world public is not ready for the intel that they have? You know, I'm not real sure. I haven't had uh, direct conversations on that. Uh, I'm sure my guess would be that it's uh, it's a mixed mixed bag or there are people that are interested in it. There are people that are not. I think um, I, I, I think it just runs a gamut. I'm I'm really not sure. I don't have any direct visibility into that. What would set off this story? Do you think we need another Phoenix Lights type encounter? I do think that uh, a some kind of mass viewing event. Because here's the thing. I you know I could go out you know outside my house right now and film one of these orbs that I've seen and put it on air and 99% of the people wouldn't believe it. Joe Biden could go hop in front of the, uh, of the podium in the, in the press room at the white house and say, Hey, you know, it's not human intelligence. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses, and overtime. Apply at easternshipbuilding.com. 
Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding.com. Is, is interacting with us, and probably 75, 80% of the population, or you know, some variation of that, would not believe them. I, I think that it will take some kind of mass viewing event like the Phoenix Lights, but perhaps bigger uh, uh, on a very large scale for people to go, wow, this, you know, this is, uh, this is a real deal. Definitely a real deal. As we got about five minutes to go here, what do you want your audience and the people who are paying attention to your show to know about this topic? What is important for you to transcribe to them? So the, the thing that is important is that, uh, that th- this is a reality. This is, this is here. It's been interacting with us. Uh, and the government needs to uh, come clean. Uh, I'm not saying spill all the beans that would, that would you know, certain things uh, that would jeopardize national security. I will say the folks that I've spoken to that are aware of these historical crash retrieval programs, without exception, what I've been told is that the general feeling is that the American public needs to be told there are certain things that they cannot be told uh, uh, regarding national security things. But in general, there's no reason for this not to be uh, not to come out. So and then my main message to all of all listeners, whether you're Republican, Democrat, you know, purple, blue or whatever, is to contact your legislator, call their office, send them an email and tell them that this is an important topic and that it's time for them to come clean with the public. It is time. But can politicians really afford that in today's day and age to be leaders rather than just sheep who are following the doctrine? I think that they can. I think I think you have folks like uh, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, Rubio, Marco Rubio, Tim Burchett uh, that uh, you know that are standing up and doing the right thing. And you, of course, have people like Lou Elizondo, Christopher Mellon, uh, all of these folks that uh, have really put their butts on the line uh, and stuck their necks out and and sacrificed quite a bit to to get this important topic out from the shadows uh, and away from the stigma. Uh, I, I, I have great faith uh, in, uh, in fellow man that, that there are people that will stand up and do the right thing. Maybe not in the United States Air Force, but in the other areas, I do think that. Important question for you. Is this, we know this is a global problem, trying to figure right. out what this is. Okay, but all the focus seems to be on the United States of America when it comes to this subject. Is is that viable? Is that is that the way it should be? I don't I don't think I don't think it should be. I mean, this this is a worldwide issue. Uh, no, no one government, in my opinion, should own the narrative on this. This is about us as 
uh, as the human species. Uh, I, I am guessing, I've, and this part of, uh, I, you know, I'm not a UFO historian at all. Uh, I don't consider myself a ufologist or anything like that. Uh, you know, I know very little about that aspect of it. But in my personal estimation is that these other governments are waiting to see what the United States is going to do. Uh, you know, look, if, if what I've been told is other countries have had retrieved crashes, um, it certainly seems that the United States has been the one that has uh, uh, sort of carried the load on that and, and carried the narrative. And, uh, uh, but all world governments, it's, it's time to level with people. People, you got to pull the Band-Aid off. Well, many might say that Western civilization is ready for that, but there are certain civilizations on this planet that may not be ready for that due to religious beliefs or or any sure. sort of uh, totalitarian government. Those are very those are very legitimate points. Those are very legitimate questions. Uh, but again, I, I I go back to my belief that that the truth always wins, and we've seen the amount of damage that uh, the obfuscation and the uh, illegal things that this democracy shouldn't be doing uh, has been doing. And, uh, you know, and I think that's a bit of a wake-up call, especially people like myself that are Democrats, uh, to wake up and go, you know, the government has been doing some really terrible things uh, in many areas, uh, but this is certainly one. Uh, and it's, 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 it's time to rip off the Band-Aid level with the American people, that I think will snowball across the world. Uh, I think the United States, it's time to take uh, a lead on this and do the right thing. Matt Ford from The Good Trouble Show on YouTube, thank you so much for not only thank you for, having for not only being a fan of this show, but for being just an amazing guest tonight. And thank, uh, you. thank you for hitting a home run with us tonight. It's been fun. I'll have a bigger beard next time I see you, I promise. Well, we're going to do it again very, very soon. So thank (laughs) you, you. Matt Ford from The Good Trouble Show on YouTube. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Then we are going to have Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio come in for the Cryptid Report. Spaced Out Radio continues with Hour 3 next. Great show, buddy. Great show. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. It's fun. I enjoyed that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would, yeah, happy to come on anytime. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, my friend. Cool, man. And thank uh, you. uh, Thank you. We'll talk uh, very soon here. Sounds good, buddy. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, everyone. That's Matt Ford. I hope you enjoyed that. I totally did. Hey, Super Quest. How you doing? I'll be right back, guys. We're going to take a quick break here and uh, go from there.
right. Thank you all for tuning that in. What a great show it's been so far with Matt Ford. And we thank Matt so, so much for coming on. I mean, just a nice, fresh breath of knowledge there, don't you think? And a big thank you to Smithy, Louie, My Flock, Deb, Red Panda, Nancy H., Jeff, Obi, Flett, Cat Chaser, and Andrew for the amazing... Ooh, excuse me, the amazing Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciate it. Reminder, just a couple weeks away, I will be in San Francisco for UFOCon 2023. Go to UFOCon2023.com to get your tickets as uh, we will we'll be uh, hanging out at the UFO show that Lorian Fenton is putting on. they got a great bunch of speakers coming on in, so I suggest you get tickets for that. And if you're planning to come to Vegas, time to get your tickets. Go to info at spacedoutradio.com. Tickets are $60 or $100 per person if you want a VIP package. We'd love to see you all there. I know we've got about 60 or 70 planning on coming right now, and uh, we're going to be working on that here this weekend. So we want to see you all there. We want to see as many of you as possible. We're going to have a great show. Matt Ford is actually, he said to me before the show that he wants to try and attend as well. So let's, uh, let's try and get there and uh, let's uh, see you all there. Here we go with hour number three. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Yanana, Yanana is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again for us to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. It would be a fun and exciting experience to go camping in the Bolivian wilderness with my friends, I thought. So we packed our bags and embarked on our journey, excited to explore the vast expanse of unspoiled nature. The first few days were actually quite amazing. We hiked through the dense jungle, crossed raging rivers, and climbed towering peaks. We even caught glimpses of exotic wildlife like jaguars and tapirs. But things quickly started to take a turn for the absolute worst. 
One night, while sitting around the campfire, we heard strange noises from the forest. At first, we thought it was just some animal, but the sounds became more and more human-like. We were all on edge, but we decided to ignore it and tried just to go to sleep. The following day, we woke up to find that some of our supplies were missing. We assumed it was just some animal that had taken them, but we were all so wrong. As we continued our journey, we saw signs of human activity. We found footprints, broken twigs, and even discarded clothing. We tried to rationalize it by telling ourselves that some local tribes people were curious about us, but we couldn't shake the feeling that something was just not quite right. As we continued to hike, the feeling of being watched grew more robust. Then finally we started to see figures lurking in the shadows, and they would disappear every time we turned around. We were absolutely terrified at this point, but we didn't want to give up on our adventure. That was until an unknown tribe confronted us. Now, I had done quite a bit of research and had not heard anything about a specific tribe being uncontacted in this area, but I had read that it was possible that they could exist. They were a fierce-looking group dressed in rough animal skins and carrying crude weapons. They didn't speak our language and we couldn't understand theirs. They made it clear that they didn't want us there and we knew we had to leave before things worsened. But before we could go, they attacked us. We tried to fight back but they outnumbered us by far and had the advantage of knowing the terrain. Finally, we were forced to flee, abandoning our supplies and running for our lives. We were lost and alone in the wilderness, with no way to communicate with the outside world. Days passed and we ran out of food and water. We were exhausted and on the verge of giving up, but we refused to let these unknown tribes people defeat us. We finally managed to find our way back to civilization, but the memories of that terrifying trip have stayed with us for years. I still have scars from the cuts and bruises that I gained from all the plants and falling while trying to run. We avoided many traps and all kinds of crazy contraptions that they had put out there in the woods for what I assume is protection and potentially hunting. Now, whenever I hear strange noises in the forest, I remember that camping trip and shudder at the thought of what could have happened to us. I know that the story was short, but I had to share it. It's one of those things that just haunts me every single night of my life. And it would be nice to have some sort of therapeutic escape. And that's why we love the Swamp Dweller coming on in, putting us on edge each and every third hour to kick things off Monday through Friday night. If you want more stories just like that, head on over to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. He's got thousands of stories just like that for free. From the swamp to the forested hills of Montana, it's time for Super Duke and the cryptid report. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. It's always a pleasure to have you here, my man. How you doing? Doing pretty good, you know, and I don't go on any hikes in Bolivia so that I can get run off by savage natives and lost for weeks at a time. This is why you don't go on hikes in Bolivia. Good cautionary tale there. Very true. Very, very true. You, you know, Swampy gets it right sometimes. You know, there's just... I think a lot of these problems that we have with a lot of these creatures, man, is we're just stupid. We are, <laughs> we are just stupid. We put ourselves in predicaments that we don't need to be putting ourselves in, and we just get in a whole heap of trouble, my man. 
You know, even as tactless as I am, I still haven't put it so succinctly and bluntly in the past as you just did, Dave. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's 90% of the problem. We are just stupid and can't take a hint. Very hey, true. throwing rocks at me. No, something's shaking trees and roaring. Let's go see what it is. <laughs> exactly, my man. That's Derp. exactly it. You know, we got to stop that crap. We need to stop it. Jeez. Be responsible, people. See, this is why Bigfoot throws rocks at us, because we're not responsible and we do stupid things. You got that right. You got that so, so right. My man, there's been a lot going on here recently regarding, you know, sightings and, and, you know, the winter keeps falling. The snow is holding many of us up from getting back into our investigative areas. But this is why you're a breath of fresh air to come on in here and share some major stories with us. Well, even if we're missing note on uh, being able to get our own selves out there, you know, I'm plotting and planning for summer and I got a new roommate that's moving in here now and he's seen a Bigfoot before and he's 100% native blood, local flathead tribe and he wants to go out and see Bigfoot again. So, you know, I instantly have another member on my research team. <laughs> that works out nice for me. <clears throat> so... Yep, and uh, getting the vehicle all set up and everything so that I can not have to set up tent anymore. I can drive my uh, tent up there and be inside of it. It's kind of going to be different not having thin layer of fabric between me and 10-foot Bigfoot. <laughs> Might feel somewhat safer. No, I'm not going to fool myself. I'm not any damn safer. I hear you. I hear you. Are you hearing a lot of uh, reports to kick off the year? Well, down in the south, this time of the year is when they're actually out looking for things because in the heat of the summer, it's too damn hot. And there's so many bugs making noise and stuff, you can't hear anything. So actually, a lot of the senior researchers like to get out at exactly this time of the year um, before there's a whole lot of uh, brush that's growing all its leaves back again and stuff, more open field of view, not as many bugs making noise in the background. And then as you go more into spring, which they're just about to go into right now, then the local. Well, you froze up on us. Super so that's also a good time to, you know, accidentally catch them. You, fr uh, you froze up on us there for about five seconds, if that. Well, sorry about that. Said, uh, what I was saying is uh, the spring that they're going into right now is a good time to go out and look for them, too, because they tend to be moving around in the spring and fall. So uh, this is a good time of the year for them to be out there just to get random observations for areas that they're prone to be moving through. And I got several friends that are down there. Actually, one of them just flew down from Alaska to go hang out with uh, William Lunsford, the folk monster hunter, yes. for a couple of weeks and go uh, looking around for stuff up and on with him. And, yeah, they'll have they'll be on the show with more updates. <laughs> more things happen. Daniel got chased up a tree by wild boony pigs, too, so that wasn't a good thing. Well, you know what? When you put when you put yourself in stupid positions, stupid, stupid things, things happen. happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, and I said, I asked him. I said, "What'd you learn from that?" And he goes, "Stay with the guy that has the gun." Right. That's all you can do. That's all you can do is just stay with the guy who has the gun, and just yeah. hope that he doesn't shoot you in the leg first, so he can get away. No, no, he's got big boomstick. He can blow away little piggies, no problem. So as long as Daniel stays anywhere near him, he's good. And uh, it seems for the most part that uh, William's on pretty good terms with the Bigfoot down there, too. They don't seem to mess with him very much. 
They like playing the, you try and trick and get us on camera and we'll get away with it and steal your Snickers bar game. Oh, it's always about the Snickers bar. It's all about the Snickers bars and how many they can get away with. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. My friend. It's like literally turned into a game with him. He's got one series of pictures where he had one camera sitting on next to this little log pile. And right in front of that, there's a Snickers bar. And there's another camera beyond it that's camouflaged. There's a third one over on the side. Well, the third one on the side got deactivated. The one right next to the log pile had a piece of bark placed over the lens. So it couldn't see anything. And the concealed one in front, he was trying to duck down low enough to get his arm up and grab that snicker bar so it couldn't see him. But it actually got him from here up, and you can see his arm and his hand coming around grabbing the snicker bar. Reminds me of a story a friend of mine told where his brother was working on one of the power lines um, over in the BC uh, Sunshine Coast. And he... He was looking out his uh, back mirror because he thought something saw something move, and everything just seemed really, really dark all of a sudden. And this is the middle of the day. He's eating his sandwich. He's got his lunch out, and then all of a sudden, he looks out his side mirror, trying to figure out, well, what was that? And now his side mirror, his driver's mirror, is dark. And all of a sudden, he Uh-oh. sees this giant hand reach in his open window, grab the sandwich from his hand. And watches this Sasquatch walk walk off down the logging road, eating his sandwich. That is really brazen. Oh yeah, I believe it though. They do stuff like that. That's hilarious. Oh yeah, I couldn't imagine all of a sudden seeing that you know this this twelve inch hand reach in through the window, grab my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and. And, uh, you know, take off. And walk off happily munching. That's yeah. like that story I told on here before where that guy was out hunting. And at the end of the day, he was down south. And it was, you know, nice evening. wasn't going to rain or anything. So he just threw his uh, his roll, bed roll in the back of his truck and curled up in there and went to sleep. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, something grabbed him in the sleeping bag and yanked him right out the back of the truck. And then he saw this huge figure looming over him. He realized there was some kind of thing. It just grabbed him and pulled him out, literally out of the truck bed, onto the ground. Whap. Now he's awake. And there's this huge thing leaning down over him. And he's trying to grab anything around him he can to stop the huge thing from, you know, anything between him and the huge thing. And the only thing that he can grab is this bag of chicken that was in his bedroom. (laughs) So as it's coming closer, he crams that in its mouth. Whereupon it goes, smells it, bites down on the bag. Backs up, walks away happily munching on the the bag of chicken as it wanders away. That's all it wanted was the bag of chicken. It could smell the bag of chicken. Where's the bag of chicken? Shoves no it in its kidding. Face. Oh, I'm happy. I'm done. <laughs> my gosh. My gosh. What kind of stories you got for us tonight, my friend? Oh, we got a bunch of them. We got uh, some reports for, from our good friend, Captain Kenny over at the uh, group investigating mystery primates that he's been getting some good ones coming in. And then after that, we've got a couple of more military encounters this time from uh, BFRO sources. So we can hope that those ones haven't been tinkered with a whole lot, but here's some uh, short ones 
from our friend Captain Kenny. Get down here to the bottom when they start. Chilly November night in 1974, and the witness was driving through rural Kansas to bring her husband the awards he had forgotten. As she drove down the back road, she suddenly saw a movement to her right side and slowed down, thinking it was a deer. However, what she saw was not a deer, but a large hairy creature walking in an upright position towards the fence. The creature was about seven feet tall with hair covering its entire body and its eyes appeared to be red and glowing. Glowing. The witness felt a sense of compensation and opened her door to get a better Duke, Duke, you seem to be freezing up on... Uh, Duke, you seem to be freezing up on us a little bit here with your signal. I'm not sure what's going on with you here. Yeah, we're having solar, having solar storms, Dave. Okay. Nothing I can do on this end. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's try and uh, push it through here. Uh, maybe turn your camera off just to save some bandwidth. Okie dokie, hopefully the audio will hold. There you go, you're sounding great. Okay, where are we at? Yeah, I'm on Ethernet cable too, so it has nothing to do with this. It's a it's a nice solar charge we're getting right now. Hmm. So I looked at each other gears for a minute, uh, across the road, disappeared into the trees. The witness was left with an impression of the creature's heavily built upper body, its long arms, and its dark chestnut brown hair. She also remembered the musky wild odor and the glowing red eyes. Despite the late hour and her preschool son's asleep in the back seat, the witness remained calm and collected. She sat in her car for a few minutes before continuing on her journey and never saw the creature again. But the memory of that encounter stayed with her, and she often told her story to anyone who would listen. And even now, decades later, the memory of that encounter still lingers, and the mystery of the Bigfoot in Kansas remains unsolved. Hmm. And here's the next report. July, July 1998, a mother and daughter were driving home from the mall in Toms River, New Jersey. As they approached the exit of the Garden State Parkway, they saw a man-like creature standing alongside the guardrail. It was approximately seven feet tall and covered with hair from head to toe, with the exception of its eyes, cheeks, and mouth. The creature turned its head and looked directly at the witnesses before crossing the guardrail and disappearing into the darkness of the nearby. The next morning, they returned to the area to find any evidence, but all they saw were briars and thorn bushes that seemed incomplete completely impenetrable. To this day, the witness is still slowed down every time she drives by that exit and looks for any sign of the mysterious creature still being around there. And here's another one. December 2002. A hunter in Franklin County, Alabama, a creature on two legs, right 100 feet position at Pine Thicket. He described it as being a little over seven feet tall. 
powerfully built, having very fast and hard as it was trying to catch some deer. But it never looked at the hunter or seemed to even know he was there. The hunter also reported that he had heard similar strange noises in July 2006 and that other people had also reported spotting a strange creature around farms in woods while hunting and around the lakes in the area. And we have one more here. In April 2004, a group of people, including the witness and their family, were driving on a four-lane highway in Emanuel County, Georgia, near the town of Swainsboro. They saw a large, black, bipedal creature crossing the highway in two strides. Other cars, including a semi-truck, had to brake suddenly. The witness's wife and parents also saw the creature, which was described as taller than an average person, with a long stride and fast, fluid movements. A BFRO investigator interviewed the witness and found them credible and concluded that the creature was not human due to its size, speed, and dangerous behavior of crossing a busy highway. <laughs> yeah, that's a good logical conclusion there. That's kind of not a good idea. <laughs> good note there. So there's the short reports, and... we got about three minutes. Three minutes. Let's see, which one have we got? Might be able to get through this one in three minutes. This is in Chatham County, Georgia, 1st through 3rd January. Little Tybee Island lies across the Tybee Black River and slightly southwest. It's an uninhabited and wild barrier island. It has never been a place where humans live. People visit it, but usually only in summer. He says, I think it was 2nd or 3rd January 1976. I was active duty and stationed at Hunter Army Airfield. One of my Army buddies and our wives went out to Little Tybee Island on a camping hunting trip. We had a nicely sheltered tent inland about 200 yards of the beach behind the dunes. The first night out was cold. It got into the high teens. The local forecast predicted record lows the next day and night. Our wives were cold and wanted to go, <laughs> wanted to go home. We transported them back to Tybee, but we went back out on an afternoon hunt. By 1,600 hours, it was too cold to stay out. Our lab was coming out of the water with ice coating her. We returned to camp and had a warm fire going, ate an early supper, and retired early. It was too cold to sit up. Approximately 2,200 hours, I awakened to our lab growling softly. Jim was awake, too. He asked me, Robbie, is your gun loaded? I assured him it was. We then heard a two-legged creature walking toward our tent from the rear. I say a two-legged creature because men walk differently from deer and other quadrupeds. At that time, there were no deer or hogs on Little Tybee, although now there are. The creature stopped approximately 30 to 40 feet from our tent, and our tent was in a small valley that wouldn't be uh, visible to someone coming uh, from our tent, excuse me, from the backside of the island until they were almost upon it. There was a minute or two of complete silence. Even my lab was extremely quiet. She acted scared for the first time I had ever seen. There was then a whooshing sound of something large whirling through the air. It struck our tent with a tremendous whump. The dog went nuts. We both <laughs> we both uh, jumped out of the tent with our six-volt headlights on and our shotguns at port arms. I caught a glimpse of something very dark-colored and man-sized running toward the backside of the island. I noticed an odor that I can only describe as a cross between a gray fox and a civet cat in the air. We ran after it 
out of the edge of the open marsh. Uh, it clearly could run faster without lights than we could with lights. I never got close enough for a positive visual. There's nothing on the backside of Little Tybee except miles of open sand, salt marsh, tidal rivers and creeks, and dozens of smaller hammocks and small islands. No man could or would have exposed himself to that marsh in those temperatures. The marsh itself was frozen hard, but the creeks sure weren't. Under these conditions, a man would perish in minutes if he got all wet in salt water. We checked the only other boat landing on the island, the creek entrance to the northeast end of the island, and there was no boat or evidence of one being there. We walked the entire beach looking for prints or other boats, and we were the only boat on the beach. We discussed the incident a while and concluded that we just may have had a Sasquatch encounter. Superdue for World Bigfoot Radio is here with the Cryptid Report. When we return, more stories from around North America on the big hairy beast we love to call Sasquatch. Spaced Out Radio continues the final half hour next. Stay tuned. All right, we is clear. Good example of the kind of uh, reports that we get constantly, constantly, constantly. Road crossings, road crossings, road crossings, road crossings. Majority of all the Bigfoot Class A visuals are road crossings. People just accidentally in the right place at the right time to see one. Uh, let me go see if I can do anything about making the Internet better here. No, you're, sounding, have... you're sounding great now. Yeah, maybe we can get some visual here going here, too. Okay, fire up your camera. Let's see that beautiful mug. Let's see those locks. What locks? Oh, Duke's locks. Way to go, Susie B. Call out the locks. Thank you, Nikki, in Seattle. Appreciate you, hun. Susie B is readying her party game for our Las Vegas party. Second annual fan party in Las Vegas. Come meet Susie B. She will have Sharpies and uh, 8x10 black and whites to autograph for all of you. Hopefully that will hold. If not, I'll just switch back to audio only. Oh, dude, you're good now. All right, let me uh, go take a quick sig break here. Yeah, you go. We got a number of minutes. <coughs> oh, Eddie Rodriguez, thank you. Appreciate that. Very much appreciate it. Brian was great last night. Really was. 
Miwaken, welcome. How you doing, buddy? John Bucky, how you doing, man? Welcome. All right. Once again, I want to remind all of you, because you're probably sick of me saying it, but I want to see you all in Las Vegas, May 19th through 21st, for our second annual Vegas fan party at the Golden Nugget. We are going to have uh, an experiencers group. We are going to have a VIP party with all of our special guests. We are going to have... A long YouTube show that I would love for all of you to come on into. And who knows? Maybe there'll be a drive out to Area 51 or a poker tournament or something. We'll figure it all out, but it is going to be a great time. Uh, we want to see you all there. VIP tickets are 100 bucks. Regular tickets are 60 and we want to see you all there. Go to info at spacedoutradio.com and let us know how many tickets you need. And uh, we'll get you there. And, of course, I will be in San Francisco March 17th through 19th at UFOCon 2023. Go to UFOCon2023.com to get your tickets. We're going to be talking to UFOs all weekend long. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'd love to see you all there. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Ufos. 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 Yeah, that damn probe happy saucer jockeys can just stay the hell off my lawn. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. <sighs> uh, so- Susie B, if you want to dress up and... Uh, you go right ahead. You go right ahead. You'll probably be the only one, but that's okay. It starts with one. I found out something cool vis-a-vis my impending trip to the Hold on, but two seconds. Two seconds. Final half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway as we've rounded third, and we're heading for home. I want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Here we go. Final half hour, Super Duke, World Bigfoot Radio, and the Cryptid Report. Duke, welcome back. Always fun to be here. 
as I was just starting to mention while we were on the break, I got a little change in my schedule that uh, I was trying to combine two trips into one to go out to the Nebraska Bigfoot Conference this spring for the second time. And as it turns out, I don't have to do that, which is great because it means we have more time before and after the conference. And why that's really cool is that my buddy Rich Soul, the guy that just did a show about Bigfoot Eye Glow on my channel, lives a two-hour drive from there. That's where his research area is. So we're thinking we're actually going to go over there and spend one day with him doing Bigfoot field research and getting video. Oh, but wait, it gets better. Because although he's not speaking there this year, he's going to be there this year. And we're going to try and kidnap him and bring him with, too. And the him I'm referring to is Brain, excuse me, Blaine frickin' Tyler from Northeast Ontario, Canada, who's been on your show before, Dave. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so we will have the Invincible Bigfoot team there. I'm also going to have one of my local team members, um, Ashton, the one-man Viking death squad. Uh, he's going to be there with us providing security. <laughs> so we should have a lot of fun there. And uh, over in Nebraska, where I never got to go Bigfooting before, and potentially we could even meet up with uh, uh, the Red Squatching Boys up there on the Omaha Reservation, Barry and his team up there. They just turned out a documentary movie about those guys a couple months ago that's getting really great reviews. Um, and a lot of people watched it and went, well, this is how to do a Bigfoot documentary. Oh, you other guys take notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. He's been on my show a couple times before, too. A good guy. Risk watching, very respectful. They, uh, you know, thoroughly, since they're all the natives and they've been interacting with them for a long, long time, they're of the opinion that they're forest people and they try and treat them with all the due respect that is due to the forest people that live in the forest. And they seem to get pretty good result out of that. So go, go guys go. And of course, Rich, who lives over there close to him tends to be on a lot of the stuff that they've got going on over there too. If it's anything major, he's usually involved. So really psyched there may have an extra cool show of, uh, live research there with uh, not only Rich Soul but Blaine Tyler too. And let's not forget about Ashton, the one-man Viking death squad. <laughs> so you want to hear another Bigfoot well, report? This one's... You know what? I'm jealous about that because out of all the conferences I've been to, I've never been invited to a Sasquatch conference. Well, but you don't do Sasquatch talks, Dave. Uh, I mean, they I don't do, usually though. do the combination stuff. I do, though. You're just not giving me any credit. Mm. Well, we can always work on it for next year because here's part of next year's lineup, Dave. We've got Blaine Tyler actually speaking there next year. Mm -hmm. And we've got Sabila Irwin speaking. Oh, I love Sabila Irwin. And we've got the absolutely amazing real world Indiana Jones Robert Kreider speaking there next year. And the guy who was just a guest on my show a couple of weeks ago, Richard Soul, is going to be speaking there next year. So they're already lining up the heavy hitters from the Bigfoot community to be doing it next year. And next year it's going to be at the uh, the gigantic uh, state fairgrounds who have been like trying to encourage them to go over there for a couple of years, and they're finally caving in and going there <laughs> next year because it's like giant venue. So you can have much bigger conference and do three days instead of two. So that's a plan. So we'll see about that, Dave. Maybe we can get you on that venue over there next year. Maybe. I would love to go. I would that love would to go. That would be super fun. Actually, the uh, it, right, not where we're going to be next year, but where we are this year, 
is only like probably under two miles from the Nebraska Bigfoot Museum, which is literally where we stayed last year. Me, Christy Sci-Fi, uh, Pat and Rob McRae all stayed over there. And then, of course, had to be speakers, too. But that place is just amazing. And the little old lady that puts on uh, the event also owns the Bigfoot Museum. And uh, she's just remodeling a whole bunch of it and adding another section onto it right now. And actually, Blaine Tyler uh, donated a track cast from a, a Cripplefoot track that he got up there in northeast Ontario. And I'm donating a picture of uh, probably the largest X structure that's ever been documented with me standing under it. And so we're making sure that she has some top-notch cool stuff to show in her museum over there. <laughs> we're just having all kinds of fun over there in Nebraska, as much as is humanly possible in Nebraska, which isn't saying a lot. But it's... <laughs> It's more than the locals usually get. I hear you there. All right, we got 15 minutes left. What kind of stories you got for us? Okay, well, we read that one BFR report pretty much through. Uh, let's read the other one. This one, again, a Class A sighting is in Georgia, Liberty County. Northeast part of Fort Stewart in a training area surrounded by Highway 119, 144, and I-95. This area is relatively swampy with thick vegetation in most parts. Occurred on a dirt road. Would have to look at a map of Fort Stewart to show close to exact area. What he observed. Let me set up the story with some information that's pertinent to the situation. I was in the Army stationed at Fort Stewart, Georgia. My job at the time was as a gunner on a Bradley fighting vehicle. My unit was in the field conducting a training exercise, which was to last a few days. The Bradley fighting vehicle is an armored track vehicle that normally has a crew of three, vehicle commander, gunner, and driver. Uh, one night around 2 a.m., my vehicle was moving solo along a dirt road. Uh, we called them tank trails back then in the northeast part of Fort Stewart. We were driving blacked out with no lights on. I was acting as gunner and had my head buried in the thermal sight system, which is used to engage targets at night. The thermal sight distinguishes differences in heat signatures and formulates a picture in either white hot or black hot, depending on what you've selected, against a red background. The driver had the hatch closed and was using a night vision device to view the road. The vehicle commander was standing up out of the hatch looking through the night vision monoculars. While moving along, if we encountered an intersection, I would slew the turret either left or right, 90 degrees, over the side of the vehicle to look down the road and clear it of any simulated enemy. At one particular intersection, I did this maneuver, slewed the turret over to the right side of the vehicle, and looked down the trail. It was clear that the vehicle made a right turn. After turning, we drove approximately 100 yards. The vegetation was extremely thick in this area due to being a swamp, and the vegetation about 10 to 12 feet high. As I was looking through the site, I observed something come out of the vegetation approximately 50 yards in front of us from the right side of the road and walked across the road to the left and re-entered the vegetation. The dirt road's approximately 15 to 20 feet wide. This creature cleared the road in three steps at a normal stride. It didn't seem bothered by us or in a rush. I don't recall it looking in our direction. Its head and torso were straight, and it just walked on. Typically, while looking through the thermal sight at a person, you can distinguish clothing, hair, equipment they may be wearing, and be able to judge their height and the surrounding they are standing in. The creature appeared through the thermal sight to be one constant color from head to foot, having no clothes on, 
and to be fairly tall, between seven and nine feet. The first thought that came to my head was a Bigfoot. At the time, it all just seemed to make sense. From watching documentaries and reading books as a kid, it all seemed to fit. Everything happened very quickly. I was shocked when I saw it, and I said nothing till after it went back into the woods. I announced to the vehicle commander over the internal comm system that something just walked across the road, and it wasn't a man or an animal. He got spooked and told the driver to punch it. I wanted to stop and investigate, but no one else was having that. We were never able to go back, and now I can only vaguely point out a general area we were in. He also noticed that no one else wanted to hang around to check out the area in which the creature crossed. Due to the vehicle's noise, nothing was heard in the situation. He said he was the only witness of the three to observe the creature. Uh, of course, he took a bunch of flack from his buddies the next morning at breakfast, but he had another soldier come up to him and state that his father had been stationed at Fort Stewart during the 60s. The soldier was sincere in saying that his father had also observed what he thought was Bigfoot in the same part of the base as I had observed mine. Either he did not, or I've forgotten the other details he provided from this story. And this was about 2 a.m., totally dark, maybe a little bit of lunar illumination. Uh, i already give you the conditions of the swamp. Follow-up investigation by BFRO investigator Stephen Willis. He spoke to the witness on December 24, 2006, and the witness is no longer in the military and now works as a police officer. His sighting was very short, approximately four seconds, during which the creature crossed an 18-foot-wide road. An important element for me is the uniform coloration he observed through his thermal sight. This confirms my own observation of the thermal viewer during the BFRO's March 2006 Redwoods expedition in Northern California. The creature I saw was very tall and had a uniform heat signature. It had none of the bright spots seen on humans in clothes. Parenthetically, and I'm diverging from the script here, um, a guy in a Bigfoot suit, you can see it's a Bigfoot suit because of the escaping heat around where there's seams and a zipper and stuff like that. So no, Bigfoot suit don't work on thermal. Humans in clothes, costumes would reveal the same pattern, show noticeable variation in surface temperature. Exposed skin stands out brightly while the loose parts of clothing are cooler and darker. The figure observed at the thermal site in Georgia showed the same characteristics I observed in the California Redwoods, a uniform insulation density. The base camp of the Redwoods expedition was adjacent to a canyon where sounds had been heard earlier in the day. That night I was scanning the perimeter of the camp with a car roof-mounted thermal viewer. I observed a very tall figure walk to the edge of the camp, coming from the direction of the canyon where sounds had been heard a few hours before. It briefly walked out into the open, albeit in the dark, then reversed direction and walked rapidly back to the cover of the trees. It had the same smooth gait and pronounced arm swing seen in the Patterson-Gimlin video. From my position, the figure appeared to walk by a bush which provided scale for height comparison with a human. So the morning after I asked the sighting, I asked a five foot seven person to walk the same path. The comparison from the same angle showed that the figure I observed the night before had to be at least eight feet tall. The five foot seven person would have come up to the chest of the figure I observed. And so there's that report. Now we got some more military reports. Duke, I got a I got a quick question for you. A lot of these sightings tend to happen within First Nations reserves and or military bases that are, you know, kind of a little bit out there uh from the reaches of, of society, you know, or, or daytime society. 
cities and towns. Why do you think this is? Oh, they know where to hide. <laughs> Bottom line, these these are good places to hide. There's not a lot of traffic running around in the woods. On military bases, you know, they're kind of stuck doing whatever their routine, their order to do is, which doesn't include a lot of extra running around the woods time. Unless you're actually doing maneuvers or something out there, those woods are deserted all the time. Um, I had an uh, encounter on my show from a guy that was driving a tank, doing tank maneuvers on a military base, and uh, Bigfoot went walking off away from the tank. They watched it for quite some time. Him and the driver of another tank both saw it. And this is in Germany. But there's no people wandering around inside of that area. It's strictly for uh, military vehicle maneuvers and practice driving these big vehicles around. And nobody's walking around on foot in there. And the place is full of wild boar. So, of course, they're there. Big food source, nobody to pasture them. And they're not scared of tanks, apparently, or, uh, you know, armored fighting vehicles like the story I was just reading, Um, you know. So, and the the thing with the native tribes, you know, a lot of these native tribes, you know, not all of them had had bad relations with the Sasquatch. Some of them had neutral and or even friendly relations with them. And so those, you know, they've tended to still hang around with them after long periods of time. Some of these tribal lands, they didn't get moved on to them. It always was their tribal land. And, you know, they've just continued to hang around there since uh, who knows how many centuries they've been there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. If you think about it, if you have, like, a huge national park or something, um, sure, you're going to get, if they're in there, which they are, there's going to be somebody that's going to see one randomly occasionally. But they've also got a whole hell of a lot of land to hide from you so really, unless they want you to see them, the chance you're going to see them is even way, way less. Where on the reservations, it seems like they're a lot more laid back and they're not as worried about people seeing them. They tend to not hide as well or as much, or they just don't give that much of a rip because they're <laughs> used to their neighbors. And the military bases, like I was saying, I don't, I th- I don't think, it, it, other than places where they're doing um, field maneuvers with infantry, uh, most of those woods, there's not anybody walking around in them really ever. Uh, security around, you know, high security bases and stuff patrol around. And, of course, they've got, you know, security uh, equipment rigged up there and stuff. But they get Bigfoot on those too. You know, they get a lot of actual Bigfoot on that. They just don't report it very often because not supposed to. How come? How come, Duke? How come they're not supposed to? Yeah, you tell me. I mean, look at how many military encounters we've been doing here for the last couple of weeks. It's quite obvious they know they exist. There was that infantry manual that came from uh, the Pac West from, what was it, the late 70s, that listed them as a known hazardous animal in the area. Oh, you could run into this, 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 or this. Sasquatch is on the list. Oh, they've known about it that long. Uh, why don't they? Well, uh, you know, obviously they don't have the option. It's all about the government deciding to admit that they're real. And let me point out something I pointed out in the chat room earlier today. It's our knuckle-dragon moronic government that is the problem. China, Russia, France, Germany, and Nepal all consider Bigfoot a real creature which is on their endangered species list. So what's the problem with the idiots on this continent? You tell me, Dave. I have no idea. No idea. Yeah. Well, let me just put it out there publicly. You're not fooling anybody. 
we know it's out there and you can just quit lying about it. So here's another example. Nearby Crane Naval Depot, U.S. Naval Warfare Center, Martin County, Indiana. Martin Lawrence County Lines, Indiana. Andy Keith, an employee of the Martin County Highway Department, was headed to work at about 6.30 a.m. With a 15-mile drive ahead of him down narrow county lanes that wind through the Wooded Hill County to the Shoals. He topped a rise in the road a short distance from his trailer home when he saw a strange creature cross the road some 200 feet or roughly 60-some-odd yards in front of him. The creature appeared to be half man and half beast, not unlike the legendary Bigfoot, which is seen from time to time in the northwestern states. According to Keith, quote, I got a real good look at him, unquote. Keith said the thing appeared to have come across an open field from the direction of Indian Creek and then disappeared into the heavy underbrush on the other side of the road. It was from six to seven feet tall and had shoulders about three and a half feet wide, according to Keith. It was covered with long black hair, streaked with gray, and had human facial features. Its arms hung to mid-thigh. Keith said when he saw it, the strange creature appeared to be in a hurry, looking neither to the right nor the left, and it took the road in about three five-foot-long strides that were curiously manlike. It left in its wake a sickening odor. According to Keith, it was the odor more than the fear that prevented him from following the weird being. It stunk, he said. When I smelled it, I thought it was kind of crazy to follow anything that smelled that bad. When asked whether Keith's neighbors in the sparsely populated hill community near the Martin Lawrence County line were skeptical about his unlikely encounter, Keith said, they believed me. They just weren't sure what I'd seen. As the crow flies, well, excuse me, down too far here. This sighting was not far from the Crane Naval Depot in the U.S. Naval Warfare Center in Perry, Indiana, also within Martin County lines. Key's friends did suggest that maybe he'd sighted a bear, which is not unheard of in that heavily wooded area around the Crane Naval Base. But again, bears don't walk upright or take long, leaping strides crossing a road. He says, others thought maybe I'd seen the hind end of a cow. Keith said, disgust. There was no doubt in Keith's mind what he observed, but putting a name to it was another matter. It was on the next Sunday that Keith and two Bloomfield men searched for some trace of the thing's earlier appearance. Keith discovered fresh footprints in a bottomland of a cornfield about a half mile southeast of where he originally sighted it. Some corn stalks had been eaten off in the area of the prints, were, which were at the edge of the field, but not in it. The footprints had to be, have been made sometime Saturday night or early Sunday, Keith explained, because it had rained earlier and there was no water standing in the indentations. There were two prints 20 feet apart. One was in a grassy area, but the other was clearly defined in the rain-softened field. Keith made a plaster cast of it. The plaster cast shows a 15-inch long foot that measures 7 inches wide at the widest part of the front, 4 inches at the base of the heel. The five-toe print indicated the creature had only one big toe and no arch to its foot. Because of the depth of the imprint, Keith estimated the weight of this creature to be anywhere between four to 500 pounds. And he was probably accurate. He said one of the men with him when the tracks were discovered weighed about 250 pounds. The man tried in vain to make an imprint as deep as the one he found and couldn't come close to it, Keith said, even by stomping as hard as he could. 
Andy Keith's experience with Bigfoot isn't the first among the people in this small community. At least one man reportedly had an uncanny encounter with a strange creature three or four years earlier, and rumors have had Bigfoot roaming the area for some time. Keith said he sought no publicity, but word of the plaster cap cast proof leaked out. He also stated he had been the subject of numerous radio broadcasts and newspaper stories throughout southern Indiana. We asked Keith's wife, Pamela, if the idea of some unidentifiable man-beast prowling around the countryside near her isolated home frightened her, and she said, I don't think about it. Keith, however, didn't sleep right for weeks. Don't blame him. Don't yeah. blame Super Duke. It's that time of the night for us to wrap things up from World Bigfoot Radio. Thank you so much, my friend. All righty. Hope everybody enjoyed the stories and, you know, no shortage of military stuff. We can do more. Uh, we'll do it all again very, very soon. Super Duke for World Bigfoot Radio. Thank you to everyone tuning us in tonight as we got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking us in the background. With Little Brother is watching, Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn, Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Rue train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them, too. Good night. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding. Start your future at Eastern Shipbuilding Group and begin a new career that offers long-term financial stability, increased wages, bonuses, with full benefits. Eastern Shipbuilding, located on the world's most beautiful beaches in Panama City, Florida, has been committed to producing the highest quality vessels for our customers for over 40 years. Now, hiring first-class ship fitters, welders, electricians, pipe fitters, and many more. Offering a relocation bonus and the potential to exceed $80,000 or more for most of our top craft positions with incentive bonuses and overtime. Apply at Eastern Shipbuilding. Building.com.